how do you do it just tear up over and over it like it's nothing i just think of the morning after the podcast i think what we have here in hollywood is high art it's If you could go anywhere in the whole world, where would you go? I always want to be part of something bigger. Yes! Let's go! Something that lasts, that means something. You know, when I first moved to LA... I got your face tattooed, Linda. You know what signs on all the doors read? No actors or dogs allowed. I changed that. Morning. Good job for you. I'll do anything. That's the cocksucker they sent to screw us. Yeah! This bitch is stealing the scene right from my mimi. She's icing her nipples so they perk up through her dress. I ain't icing my nipples. This is natural. What do you say we come in for my close-up now? What are your thoughts for the future? Shouldn't stand in the way of progress. Here's the twist. Whoa! The girl seems nice. She is. She has no idea what's next. There's a new sensibility now. People care about morals. I've never done nothing except disappoint people my whole life. But I made it on my terms, not theirs. We are going to be more than they ever bargained for. What I do means something. It's bigger than you. What's up, Sparkle Cox? It's uh, <laughs> Find Some Popcorn is back. Uh, really excited to be back. We've had probably two and a half weeks off. Um, few, I mean, both of us have normal lives as well, aside from this podcast, as much as as much as much it may surprise you that we don't dedicate 24 hours of our life to this. Um, you know, there is the other things. Normal, but yeah. We have lives. Normal <laughs> in the, in the uh, quote, air quotes. Um, but yeah, we uh, we're back. We've been we've been looking forward to doing this one. I actually came up. Um, obviously, actually, I should just do my little read before I get into babbling, as we do for uh, two hours. Uh, so we're doing Babylon today, the 2022 film um, directed by Damien Chazelle, written by Damien Chazelle as well, uh, produced by Matthew Plouffe, Mark Platt, and Olivia Hamilton, who also happens to be Damien Chazelle, Chazelle's wife, who um, appears in the movie as well in a great role of uh, the director Ruth uh shot by i i brought in i kind of make notes of, of who i want to shout out in reading out the credits and it's um the cinematography is by linus sandgren out of sweden who did like he's done la la land uh, i did think he did first man he did uh, no time to die as well the bond film and done a few other movies but did a really great job on this which we'll get into as we talk about it um score by justin herwitz fucking banger 
Um, I've listened to it a lot since I watched it. And of course, starring Margot Robbie, Brad Pitt, uh, Diego Calva, Jovan Adepo, Gene Smart, Lee Juan Lee, and a host of other names that you just, faces and names that you pick up as you're watching. Um, like Olivia Wilde's just there for like two seconds, just yelling. I <laughs> yeah, I did the too. First time I saw it. <laughs> the first time I saw it, I was in my cups. And so mm. then I definitely didn't, when I saw it last Christmas, I definitely did not pick that up. I just thought it was some, some actress. But, yeah, yeah. Um, I think I picked it up just because like she does have, but yeah, I, I can imagine if I was deep in my cups as you had been uh, watching it uh, for the first time, I probably would have missed it. How, how, so how was it? So you've, you watched it um, deep in your cups over Christmas. When it came out, you were one of the box office numbers, despite it having a bad box office run. Um, and you hadn't seen it since then, correct? Until correct. we, yeah. So how was it? Because of the runtime. I wanted to see it again, but it didn't mm. hit any other, I don't have Amazon, I guess. But other than that, I hadn't seen it on any of the other major streamers. So I had, mm. like, if a movie like that hits HBO Max or Max or, like, Hulu or even peacock like i'll watch it again yeah but i'm not gonna yeah. go out of my way to find like a stream of it if it doesn't pop up mm -hmm. but yeah so i do want to say like this is continuing our theme of barbie and barbie related um topics <laughs> because we did two <laughs> we did two goslings and now we did a roby so mm -hmm. you know we yep. really like that we really like that movie so and it's influenced <laughs> us so yeah, it's a. But yeah, yeah, it was one I told you about for a while um, mm -hmm. because you was a. I think. Whatever. I, we let's get through the intro before we start talking about how it was received and all that stuff. But yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I mean, def I definitely. Have <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, what else did I have to intro on? Um, yeah, I guess uh, we have a shop now. I should say that. Um, <laughs> go to our Instagram. It's like. Pints, pints and popcorn and dot big cartel dot com or something of that nature uh it's there's a link tree in the pints popcorn instagram that like links to all of the relevant things and it's certainly yeah. the, ma the main one at the top is the pints and popcorn shop there's a few things there i haven't had much time to do i've got a few more designs in mind including i do want to do something to do with sparkle cocks uh it's just <laughs> yeah. it's just in my brain it's like a little brain worm and margo is so magnificent in this that i want to kind of honor honor that honor that energy on some kind of uh merchandise uh so yeah that shop's available is um and i'll do let's just make up um a, oh well okay it's going to be sparklecox10 will be the discount code from uh so it's spelt exactly as it sounds cox spelt exactly <laughs> as you'd spell cox there's no there's, it's a spark sparklecox10 will be a 10 percent code that'll be real uh from the release of this podcast which will probably be uh, maybe tomorrow I'll try to get out of Wednesday, but whatever time, whatever date it releases will be valid for seven days on from that. So um, roughly, you know, I, it, there's time zones and all that stuff and the, the shop's set up in an Australian time zone. So I might add even add an extra day to that. But anyway, um, if you want to buy some stuff with a bit of a discount on it, uh, SparkleCox10 will be the discount code from this podcast. <laughs> Just made up on the yeah. spot. So nice. Yeah. Um, uh, that's about it. Apart from you know, we've uh, go back and listen to other episodes if you want. Um, I know movie podcasts are always interesting to um, advertise because you know movies of you know as this as this movie as we'll get into uh, this film brilliantly does is kind of uh, suggests how movies can live on in infamy and and you know our, our, you know the images and the performances and all that stuff uh, lives on forever and no matter what happens to the physical body, uh, it's um, 
you know, it's there forever. And so, you know, the movie podcasts are kind of forever, you know, when we've done sports podcasts, we've been like, oh, the one, two weeks ago isn't relevant anymore, but you know, movies right. we, we podcasted about a year or two ago, while our opinions constantly change, I'm sure we'll re- revisit at some point in the future. Um, our opinions at that point are forever imprinted on podcast history as, as movies are uh, printed on celluloid history as uh, the wonderful Jack Conrad uh, played by Brad Pitt in this movie kind of, um, kind of eulogizes on or um, soliloquies on in this film but yeah so go back and listen to other you know obviously if you haven't seen the movie don't but if you if there's movies in our podcast history that you've seen and you'd like to hear us talk about go back and listen to them and they're all all listed there on spotify or apple pods or whatever that's about it i can't think of anything else i didn't even have anything pre-prepared as far as an advertising thing i just thought i'd shoot that out there anyway now babylon back to it yes i think you saw it um now I've seen the film a couple of times in the past month yes. and the scene how uh, wild it is and, and incredibly, uh, I mean, it's just so ambitious. And I think it, I think it needs to be, I, it's what bothers me about how it was received was how people misinterpreted the ambition as some certain, you know, some people just, as you mentioned to me in a text message, someone on Reddit thought it was just debauchery um and there's so much beauty to it but i think you you seem to see it in a mindset for the first time anyway having the christmas spirits running deep through the deep through the veins um how was it seeing it then and then how was it seeing it without the christmas spirits the other day and that like did do those two experiences like match up together somewhere in the middle to for you to find a you know did it change what what your initial thoughts and then how you how you think having seen it a second time under a different um clearer lens <laughs> it's weird because i saw it on christmas with like only like five other people in a theater so that mm. was weird one of them was my dad and so i was making like booze runs throughout it too so i did miss a few parts and i think mm. like now just sitting down and watching it like where i could pause it because it is a long film so you're like when mm. you're drinking you're gonna pee i mean this is pints and popcorn so we're talking about it <laughs> but mm. i think seeing it like on the big screen was important but then I liked it more being able to pause it and like come back to it like I watched the first two hours last night and watched the last four or like somewhere in between two hours um, Mm -hmm. last night and then the last 40 minutes today and that helped I think like being able to take like a little brief thing rather than like it helped me appreciate the third act more which my first watch of it I was really not into the third act Mm -hmm. that's yeah interesting (laughs) And we'll we'll I guess we'll leave the third act to maybe the second half of the podcast because I think there's some things to talk about there that we can talk about you know some of the scenes but it is interesting that you talk about the pausing it because I I, the first time I watched it I did watch it in two halves and then the second time I watched it um, and it's not that I couldn't sit down and watch it I actually um, I really want to see it on the big screen now at some point when it and I'm sure it'll show again Uh, American Cinematheque down here recently did a uh, seventy millimeter. month of programming where they had films in 70 millimeter that they were showing and this was on their docket and i hadn't seen it at that point i almost thought about suggesting to andrea we're going to see it but because of the the length of the film and then fitting it into our schedule on the weekend i wasn't sure if we could do it we went and saw nope in 70 millimeter and that gave me a new appreciation of that movie um, which nope will come up again later in this there's a um, bit to do there uh but um yeah i i wish I, i i can't wait to see it on the big screen now now that i've um seen it but you, you're right it is a movie that's very actually easy to digest in little snippets because it is the way it's kind of set up is a bunch of set pieces that go for half an hour or so 
interspersed with maybe a couple of montages of of life developing because it kind of, kind of starts in 1926 um and then goes through about 1931 1932 i think off the top of my head um oh, yeah it's all or, 1950s by the end oh yes yeah. yeah by the end by the end but the main uh you know t- three hours of the film barring that last 10 minutes is essentially uh six years in the late uh mid to late 20s into the 30s the the silent films to the talkies era is what this film's uh really about and uh uh you know change in uh you know a time of changing in hollywood which is uh you know industry that now we know is forever changing that this was probably the first maybe major change and we kind of this movie is all about you know damon chazelle said he's been writing this movie for 15 years he was just fascinated by this period of time in hollywood um it you know the, the times of change like changing of you know actors and having to deal with the going from just physical performance to voice performance as well and and without having a generation behind them that they could look to in understanding how to deal with change and how to deal with you know being a big actor that now starts to fade away the fading star story is something we've seen time and time again now over 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 history because now we've got uh you know over 120 years of film history under our belts as fans to look back on and see the the ebbs and flows and the waves of hollywood but this is kind of a film that discusses the first time that this was you know the first time we had stars and and we had the um the 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 1920s and the glitz and glamour of that in the post-world war one age of thinking that we'd conquered you know at that point people thought that the great war was going to be the end of all wars and all that thing and we went into this age of the 20s and of of thinking that we were just in this um in this place that just everything was going to be grand forever and but then you know times and industries change and and these people had to deal with it and it's yeah i don't know where i was going with that that kind of soliloquy for <laughs> but again, that's kind of the summation of what the film's about like before the, yeah. before we get into it but yeah we, i i started off by saying it is very easy to digest in like half an hour snippets in a way um it would be interesting as a miniseries actually like if you did it like as an eight part six part eight part miniseries yeah. it could be done actually because it is kind of you know you could have you know one one episode is like the party at the start essentially and everyone meeting and then you could do the next one is a third that day on set and um i i love it as a film but it is interesting that you mentioned how you know pausing it here and there made it um good for you to be able to watch like i said i i can easily digest a three-hour movie at the at the cinemas if i need to if i need to and want to and i i indeed do want to see this one in that way because it is a unique thing to and an experience that people that is somewhat been lost at times and i always try to encourage people to to you know the the act of switching your phone off for two or three hours at the movies is is still such a beautiful way of um switching off from life and just taking in some art and and babylon's a great film to do that but as you said the three hour run time does make it tough for some people to digest and being able to do that um might be the way in for some people because i know i you know i know some people that just don't have the attention span even for a movie that gets to two hours let alone three hours so yeah. yeah well i think that's like why our podcast got delayed because it's just like i need to find three hours to watch this again. yeah even if it's I'm across like, two even if it's across two days you still need to find the time yeah exactly it's a commitment it's just like like planning to see oppenheimer you're like mm. well i need like three hours of my day like an yeah. eighth of my day is going to this um so yeah and i think that's probably what turned a lot of people off on this film is like i think the way that it was marketed was like kind of like that quote we already talked about from reddit that was like oh it's just a film about debauchery that's kind of how it was sold is like oh this mm. is like the debauchery of like 
the 1920s in films like we look back at the 1920s and there's like it's kind of like how they did um kind of like how Baz Luhrmann did the Great Gatsby and then mm-hmm. similar times like like we look back through our own lens of like oh these people must have been like squares they must have been really repressed because of the time but like you look at the party scenes and it's like yeah they're over the top but you know these people were partying they're having mm-hmm. good time they would be like you know drugs were they didn't know drugs were bad for them yet you know they had mm-hmm. all they're drinking bourbon mixed with ether which is horrifying like <laughs> <laughs> like it's um I just thought it was like a cool like you and I love, both love history a lot so I thought that like anytime somebody has like a period piece that where you can kind of get lost in the time and like especially it shows you a side of the time that you don't really think of as that time like you can watch like silent films and like just be like oh my god these are so stiff and they're like they're so far ahead of their time too, mm-hmm. at the same time but you look at the people in the films and you're like oh they're so innocent and blah blah blah, blah. but it's like no these people were like on the cutting edge of the industry and their party and they were living the life, you know, like early on in the movie, like the overweight guy kills like a famous actress that definitely happened. Like that's mm-hmm. what I also thought too, is he did a good job with mixing in real life storylines with fake movie stars, because like they even showed at the end with Manny watching that movie is like, singing in the rain is like based off of something that like happened in his life <laughs> and so mm. and he found about it so it's like yeah i really enjoyed it but i think the reason that people didn't is because it was sold as something it's hard to sell that movie i guess <laughs> yeah it is definitely gonna be three hours probably they just saw margot robbie and brad pitt and toby Maguire, and they're like oh yeah let's go see it on date night and stuff without knowing anything about kind of what they were getting into so I think that's probably why um, it was, wasn't was received as well as maybe you and I think about it. And I think you like it more than I do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I get the impression I do. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's um, a common theme on this podcast. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's always one of us. Very, I mean, there's some, most of the time we do a movie that um, we both like uh, Wolf Creek aside. <laughs> uh, <that> was... <laughs> a lot of the horror movies we did, yeah. I yeah. Tried, yeah yeah and we'll probably um, get back to that as october approaches. oh yeah no i've already got some um thoughts on october so we'll get well, to in that. our next movie which i'm not going to say yet but i think that it's a movie that i i like and it'll be your wolf creek maybe but <laughs> oh, that's that's good to set me up for that before i've even watched it nah you know yeah, like yeah. you know i'm you know i'm very good at going into movies with open minds and yeah. regardless but yeah i I'm mean excited. just just uh yeah, the 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 marketing of the movie was. I mean, it's hard. Like as you said, it's a very hard movie to market. It's very easy as well. Like there's certain things that are easy. It's like it was Margot Robbie, it's Brad Pitt, um, it's Damien Chazelle, the guy that did Whiplash and La La Land and the First Man, and um, La La Land in particular was you know obviously uh, won an Oscar then didn't, um, but uh, yeah. was was well received. Whiplash obviously is um, well loved as well. And I have I haven't actually First Man's the one of his movies I haven't actually gotten around to seeing yet. Um, but I hear good things about it. I don't think it got as as a bit different on on his for his kind of filmography. But this kind of gets back to an idea of his that seems to be like you know the to make great art needs takes great sacrifice, which isn't I don't think is exactly as simple as his thesis is because I think some people criticize Whiplash because they think oh they they're making it seem like jazz is 
you need to have that kind of attitude of jazz. But it's not really. That was just a purely, that was just a, a master and apprentice, a twisted master and apprentice movie with jazz thrown in there. And and yeah, some yeah. people do, some people take different approaches to things. And, and, but the reality is Hollywood has been an industry that chews up and spits people out depending and some people have an easy ride in it some people have a hard ride some people are somewhere in between but um yes he puts some glitz and glamour on it uh, alongside some elephant shit some urine and and you know copious amounts of cocaine but um i think it's what i what i found it interesting is some people saw it as a love letter to hollywood some people saw it as a criticism and i actually think it's just right smack bang in between I think it's just an honest take on how he probably feels about Hollywood, especially like after like having movies up for Oscars and stuff and having to do the full the full dance of mm. that it takes to be nominated for an Oscar. And like I think it's definitely more bad than good, is what I would say. But that's where like I it kind of loses me a little bit is like if you're gonna make it bad, just make it bad. Like if it's a bad love letter or if it's a hate letter to Hollywood, let's hate it. You know, let's like yeah. But that's the thing. I don't, I just don't. Him. Yeah, I just don't think that's what he was actually going. I think he just wanted yeah. to actually do a historical. Yeah. I don't know what he was uh, going somewhat. Right? That's yeah. part of it. Why it doesn't. Well, no. me. I like it, but it's yeah. just like I don't know exactly what he was trying to say with it. Whereas like La La Land, I know what he was trying to say. It was a love letter to Hollywood, and then you know Whiplash, like you said, Master Apprentice. Like I know what he said. I don't. First man, I have not heard. I have not heard great things about. But. Yeah, whereas whereas this one, it's interesting. So, and that might be where the reviewers went went wrong a little bit because you watched it and didn't exactly. So you you're saying you didn't exactly know where it was going. Yeah, but, but you liked not, it all the I same. I watched it in the straight from the first viewing. I was like, okay, I see what he's doing here. Like I just I to me it seemed, and I could be you know I I might not be a hundred percent correct either, but it seemed like it was just trying to tell a historical and a hyper-realistic historical story about Hollywood with all the, the beauty and lo- like the beauty and amazement of it, but also the, you know, the shit side of it, which he's probably experienced being on movie sets. Um, and certainly this movie would have been one that was incredibly, is incredibly ambitious to make because they did go out and build those, you know, this, the sets and, and out in the middle of the desert and do all those. That was the coolest part. Yeah. Of me. I was like, oh man, the first like, hour and a half of that movie is so good i think that's where i get frustrated is it Mm. is a good film start to finish but the first like hour and a half is so like you're so sucked in by it yeah but it's like he almost set it up to a point where he couldn't like live up to what he'd already done yeah because i think it's it's one of those oh let's talk about it because that that is in my notes and i guess that's a good point to to talk about in this first half um it is. It, it was a tough. I think it was a tough movie to stick the landing, and I, I'm pretty happy with how it finished. But it was. It was never going to be as as glitzy and and beautiful to look at as the start, because the ending was always going to be a bit tough, because that's what it was leading to. But um, well, you know I mean, what I think the ending should be. You know, we've talked. About yeah, that. yeah, we'll get to that in the second half. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean that opening party scene before. I, I mean, I want to talk about the uh, the uh, the sets, the two sets, the the silent and the and the and the first sound one, but. That opening oh, party, yeah. that opening party scene on on its own is just such a brilliant. Almost, you could release it as a short film, and it would just be, just be brilliant because it it tells so there's so much character stuff in that. Like we get to know yeah. everything about Brad Pitt's character um, of Jack Conrad there. Um, the every, yeah, the journalist, uh, you know, Jovan Adepo's uh, 
Sydney Margot Park. Robbie, of course. Yeah, Margot Robbie, of course, when just one of and the Manny, honestly. Yeah, and Manny as well. Yeah, like we, we cut he... back to it in the third act. They come mm-hmm. back to like, oh, Manny realizing why he, yeah, yeah, why why this all happened the way it did. Mm-hmm. But yeah, no, that opening party scene is just I I so when I sat down to watch it for the first time, I didn't realize it, you know, where it started or whatever, and I just put it on and. I mean, right from the start, we get them trying to get the elephant up there and you go, okay, so this is just, this is the the wild days of the 1920s where they're just like, yeah, sure, we'll get an elephant to the party and that's just a normal thing that these people with money do. And then, But then also it kind of sets the movie up for everything you're going to expect is like, you know, the elephant shitting all over the guy that's trying to push it up the hill and it go, and it splatters all over the camera and then and we're kind of like, okay, so there's an ugly side to this and then it gets up to the party and it's all pretty again. There's this beautiful castle um shay's castle what it's known actually in real yeah. life uh it's yeah. about now hour hour out of los angeles somewhere is that yeah. set um they should let me party there for free <laughs> yeah anyone that goes there name shay spelt exactly as your shay is it as is, well yeah. by the way so yeah that, that's like that's the caveat um anyone that has shay spelled a different way just gets a 50 percent off coupon yeah um no, i don't want them they, they don't live up to the hype <laughs> <laughs> no it yeah. is a great scene. i mean yeah. in the, like and it's just like people just seeing an elephant for the first time too, because like back then it's like you don't you don't know how an elephant moves. You've only mm-hmm. seen it like in pictures, so it's like they literally think it's a monster. And it's like, but it also shows like the cunning that Manny has to be able to like kind of rise up through the ranks right away. That yeah, he's going like pushing an elephant up the up the hill to you know finding new ways to escort a starlet who is OD <laughs> or whatever happened. I don't know. Yeah, no, that's that's what it was. Was yeah, I was about to say that, like, as we, as I said, you get to know all the characters and kind of what their character makeup is in in the uh, in the party. And Manny's was a big part of that. Like when when they're uh, trying to, um, you know, he 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 not he just understands to, and whether well, it's just a love at first sight moment for him when he sees Margaret Robbie's Nelly as well. But he kind of cuts in when she's trying to get into the party and um, helps her get in. Jack when he's uh you know, I mean, he turns up and breaks up with his first wife right at the start, uh, which right. was Olivia Olivia Wilde because he won't stop speaking Italian. <laughs> and even when when he just when he's like and he's speaking Italian, she's like, "If you say one more word in Italian, I'm going to divorce you." And he's like, "Okay, okay, okay." There's a pause, and then he starts speaking Italian. He's just like, "Fuck you!" <laughs> like, and he yeah. just la- laughs and gets out of the car and. And you think at I mean, that point, like, he's like, yeah, he's like the most famous actor in the world at that point. So he's mm-hmm. just like, all right, whatever, a divorce. And then he goes through like, I think at least three more divorces during the, the film. And like at the end, when he's really like, yeah, going, through, he's like, she doesn't know that it's just going to end up the same way they all do. And you're just like, Jesus. Yeah. That scene, I will say that scene hit me a lot harder. Um, the second time around is just kind of him lamenting because you know the first time you see it you don't know how it's going to end for him you know mm-hmm. you're hoping maybe like he'll end up in europe or something you know kind of like rick dalton yeah, <laughs> yeah. you don't know what's going to happen but like that little speech he gives near the end is great but yeah the yeah and just like it that scene almost hints at it too is when he's like he wants to be taken seriously it almost hints that at like that of his downfall because he's like that girl over there, she said, you know, she said she like believed me or something like something of the sort. He says mm-hmm. that, like, then he just like goes back to just talking like it doesn't matter at all. But it was like he had that connection with that waitress right away because I don't know, I don't know where I'm going with this. This is all off the top of my dome. 
I didn't even really think about it until now. No, but, and that's the whole kind of point of the podcast is we we just go off the dome and and talk about it with some beers or or uh, or soda pops. Um, but <laughs> yeah, and that's that's what you, you kind of see his like his kindness as well. Like he, you know, he's he's nice to the waitress. You know, she's she's trying to get his attention. He said, you know, you got yeah. my attention already, and orders the drinks, and then you know. Um, Lin Fei, uh, you know, sits at the table and he says, you know, just my mate George over there who's tried to kill himself again. And and because uh, <laughs> what well, great performance by that actor. Lucas Haas. Yeah. 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 Was it was so good. Of, yeah. He was just in the new season of Righteous Gemstones as like a militia member. So it was so okay. funny to like I can see that him is like with a toilet seat around his head and like <laughs> what was it the Go first or the first one when he's just like he's just like like claire left claire claire left me or whatever or claire wouldn't you know he's like brad pitt's jack's just like she's a lesbian george that was a uphill battle yeah. for anyone like yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah. i mean oh, i love that character too it's like kind of a side character and she mm-hmm. definitely has like an arc that shows like how fucked up Hollywood was and that like I think like when Manny is breaking it to her that like hey like you're fired because you're in a lesbian relationship with one of our stars which we can't have happen I think mm-hmm. and like put green light on that that whole scene because it like really makes man like it shows Manny turning into a snake for Hollywood that's, just mm, that's a very good very good reading of it yeah and like i the lot yeah it was a very and then like we'll get into the whole toby scene later but it's just like i think damien showed like the deeper you get into hollywood like and i think he did it through visuals like you're really going <laughs> you're really selling your soul to these different yes yeah people. yeah and i'm sure part of that with vanny and that scene too was him jealous about nelly but mm. yeah that whole that scene was fucked up yeah that's, that's a hate letter to hollywood for sure mm-hmm. and you know a, and that could be like a letter to like like harvey weinstein too like everything he did is kind of yeah similar. it's like hey we're gonna blackball you if you don't do exactly what we want so. well especially that once you're once you're used up in a way that like because because she had a role like you know we don't mm-hmm. and he even says you know we don't really need titles anymore because the the fact we've gone to sound now so like her her uh and that's a very Hollywood thing. One of the things I think the movie's really saying is like, we we use you for as long as you're useful to us, and we and we and whatever perceived moral issues we have with you are, are fine with us until you're not useful anymore. And then and it's like like I said, they they chew you up and spit you out. Yeah. And you know, as soon as you you chewed up and you know, kind of like a piece of gum, once the flavor's gone, once it's not useful to you anymore. Um, and she was like, still, she was a great performer, and I think she's going over to be in the Pathé Pictures in France. Which uh-huh. that's gonna, which I think they went bankrupt. They're still in a company, but it's changed the way they do. But they went bankrupt a few years later, um, right. I think in 1935, but, and obviously the depression and all that. Well, which, war yeah. was about to start. Yeah, so. Oh yeah, that, but this was even before that. But yeah, yeah. Um, well, that's like but still. But like, it's also interesting. Like she went over to Europe, and like Brad Pitt was interested in that because like early on in the movie, he's talking about like wanting to be like creative and taking pictures to a new direction, like they're doing in Europe. So it's yeah, like he was almost like proud of her that especially because he was jaded by everything that had happened in america with the film mm. so he was like excited for her to go to europe like, yeah. yeah and i guess there is a little bit of that in the movie like you said with him being jaded is like 
is he jaded that the American exper experience of cinema, which is both, you know, a lot of what cinema is, is like a very, um, has got a very American history, but obviously very good history in other parts of the world, but um, the Hollywood history is American, but, you know, it can be very, as I said to you, I can spit you out. And he, he kind of saw them laughing at him in the movie. And he just was like this, this whole industry is so fickle. And he, and he was, mm. and he saw the overseas industry as, a little bit more nuanced maybe whether that's actually true um i'm sure it's just as brutal overseas but it's a grass is always greener thing but i mean his light was fading anyway but unfortunately he talks about like Bauhaus and stuff and he's just mm. like he was interested in like pushing he was just interested in pushing the art form in a direction that it didn't end up going so he mm. was like interested in pushing it forward it just like he never thought of sound you know that's why it was so cool like when they show jazz singer and Manny runs out of the theater and it's like, mm. hey, everything yeah. is different now. <laughs> like, yeah, everything's about to change or everything's different. Yeah, yeah. yeah everything's about to change. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, yeah. And it's cool later when they show that um, scene of the guy doing the I love you. I, I don't know the actor well enough. I don't know cinema history as well, even though I took it at the University of Oregon. But the Good actor who was like, <laughs> actor who was blackballed for the i love you i love you i love you while he's kissing the girl's arm mm -hmm. like that, that actually happened to that guy in real life you know he was blackballed because people couldn't take him seriously yeah <laughs> because and it wasn't even bad acting like that's what like blew my mind like watching like they're just laughing because they're like we saw this guy in silent film for so long now this is like they probably thought he sounded like something else and it wasn't even bad acting it was just yeah thought he was something else they thought he was larger than life and like he wasn't like like the talkies like brought about like a different connection with actors i think is like you could see them as more human and stuff and so like for them to see a guy that they had just seen as a this larger than life character as a human i think that's why they were laughing i guess because i yeah. wondered first time i saw it i was like what i mean it's not that bad he's acting mm -hmm. no you're right and i think that's very much a part and uh, I was just it's very uh, it takes a long time like I think you could spend another day or two you know 24 hours straight just looking at the different parts of history that Damien Chazelle draws from on this because he does draw from just so many different parts and there was a significant chance like that change in the industry did mean that there was a lot of people a lot of those actors did struggle with um, the expectation because people just I mean, we see a picture of someone expecting this, you know, it's kind of all, it, I mean, there's probably more these days for us when we listen to podcasts now. Sometimes we don't see a podcast performance. We, maybe we see their Instagram or what some, some social media thing. We go, oh, that's what that person looks like. Like, cause we do the opposite thing now where we hear people and we, and we think of how they look, but, and it's the same thing is like, people had such an idea of what their voices and mate, I think I read something. I can't remember who it was exactly. But there was a few actors where people just, heard their name heard their voices that were in their heads their voices were going to be deep and heroic and it's not to say their voice was bad but they heard their voice was just actually a little bit higher and didn't sound quite as mm -hmm. quite as as we talked was it the last podcast we talked about the uh the movie trailer guy like coming to theaters yeah. near you like i assume maybe everyone thought that everyone is going to sound like movie trailer guy like coming to a theater near right. you and who were heroic and macho and and guys just sounded kind of like me and you you know like and you know obviously well, like the schrodinger's cat thing it's like we don't know how this guy is going to sound like he could sound super high pitched or he could sound mm. like we don't know because there's no sound but then once sound is gone it's like it doesn't matter the way it sounds it's that you can hear it 
Mm -hmm. So it's like, you know, it's like finding out the cat is dead or alive, whatever you want to say. Yeah. I do think it's cool that Damien played, um, paid tribute to that actor who was kind of not blackballed, but like audiences fell out of love with him in the Mm -hmm. I Love You scene with Manny going, Tayama, 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 Tayama later. Yeah. That was like such a cool tribute to that. Because mm-hmm. it was like Manny was better actor, obviously, but it was corny in a, in the same way. Like that's like what's frustrating about that to me is like it's just a poorly written script. So it's like I don't know. What do you want the actor to be? Yeah, yeah. As sometimes actors are only as good as their script, and and script is you know, and sometimes a script it can only be as good as what the actors can bring, and and all sorts of things. But this is what's great about this movie still is it just tells the story of what Hollywood was you know just changing so drastically yeah. so quickly and um and you know the sounds you know just it was I can't imagine going through it it would be really cool to just jump in a time machine and maybe you know men in black like you uh yourself for like just a day and you could just go and just uh just to be in that mindset and then go see us uh, go you know, see it and understand silent film and how that film works and then go see a talkie for the first time would have been, it would have been amazing. And, and, and we see that really well done, um, as you were taught, you mentioned um, briefly before about when um, Manny's in New York going to that premiere and, he, and, he, and the, the way the crowd reacts. It's like, geez, we're spoiled now. Like we see the okay. best, the, some of the best special effects, you know, the, the, the state-of-the-art stuff we see sometimes these days and we just go, oh, nah, but the, you know, this, and and to be fair, like that's where the industry is now. Like we need to see the special effects and the movie and the script and all those things be good to be really impressed by it. But it's still just like them just hearing if someone talk on screen was like a revolution revolutionary experience. And it's just it is cool to kind of go this this is what this movie um takes us on a journey of is kind of that experience as well. And I think just the way that's shot and directed and all that and that that scene in that cinema uh is just one of those one of many you know, that's like 30 seconds of the movie and really has no impact on the overall storyline. But it's really just, I think, how tightly made uh, Chazelle, I think that's what I'm just constantly impressed by. And it'll, it'll come up over and over over the next hour or so that we continue on the podcast here. But the ambition and how he pulled it together, and I know you and I have different, different opinions on the end, which we'll get to in the second half. But I just think it's such an ambition. What he set out to do with this movie was so ambitious and he was trying to do so many things and as i said so many little bits of hollywood lore and stuff that he pulls from whether it be um and we haven't even gotten to margot yet and maybe this is the time to kind of slowly work into that is like margot robbie's like nelly Leroy was you know is some inspiration from clara bow who was like an actress that actually she didn't have the she didn't die at 34 from an overdose but she died at 60 um but had she, she had some issues and she did okay i think she went into um, she did better in the talkies than maybe uh, Margot's Nelly did, but um, she but still kind of had. had a talk. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but uh, there was there was even there is even some lines directly from Clara Bow's like what she said about herself was like, um, I was this that I was fat I was usually too fat and that's like that direct line Margot says in the movie so you know that she they've taken some stuff from that and there's a there's a quote from. Uh, a director called William Wellman that worked with Clara Bow. And he said, movie stardom is an acting ability. It's personality and temperament. I once directed Clara Bow. She was mad and crazy, but what a personality. 
and then someone else said touch her and she responded with genius and it was just like she was just this um this enigma of a person that like you couldn't it was just like it came from but she had a she had an upbringing that was pretty rough as well like um uh i don't i think they said the birth certificate doesn't even exist um and so her birthday isn't exactly known because her parents had lost two kids pretty early straight away she was born around 1905 um and so they didn't even expect it like they thought oh well if she makes it through birth and she's going to die this summer anyway so she that's and then her mum like had some issues and her dad did as well and they didn't really have much money and all that kind of stuff and so there's a lot of stuff that comes from that for margo's but what I love about Nelly Leroy, all the inspiration and stuff that comes with it, Margot Robbie made that role her own. And I think yeah. we're living in a time where Barbie's become one of the biggest grossing films of all time and will continue to rake in money for another month or two at least because it's just getting an IMAX release in two weeks, I think. So that's just going to be a whole other thing. And they're getting some uh, some post-credit footage in there that we haven't seen. So What? Yes, yeah. yeah, that's a thing. So um, it's just going to rake in even more money. Yeah. Um, Worth it. And yeah, yeah. But so we're living in a year that Margot's Barbie has become just one of the greatest films of all time and uh, money-wise, and and it will get some accolades at, or once awards season comes around. This movie, what was released December 22, so we're talking six, seven months before this. I think this is like... And Margot's had plenty of great performances now, whether it be uh, Once Upon uh, upon a Time in Hollywood was great, but Wolf of Wall Street, she just, you know, she just torched it up on the screen there as at that point, a relative nobody apart from Australians that love the the neighbor's uh, telenovela, so to speak. Um, And, uh, you know, she, but I think... She was really Uh, good in Amsterdam as well, which also came out last year. Yeah, I still haven't seen that one. I know it was... I think Andrea didn't even actually make it through the full movie. So I'll have to. Similar to this, to me, it's like they tried to do a lot and Mm. they succeeded on some levels and failed on other levels. But again, it's extremely similar to Babylon, I'd say, on a smaller scope. But it's just like so many big names and like even in small parts that it's just like this could have been better. Mm -hmm. But she's great in that movie. It's just like similar time period, too. That's another thing that was probably not ideal <laughs> for how this movie was received. Both those movies were not received very well. And it's just like too too similar, too similar time frames, actresses. You know, I think people got a little confused. That can sometimes happen, even if it's not like warranted. It's just like when two movies yeah. come out with single name titles that, you know, even Babylon and Amsterdam are both places. Um, single in- word titles of like kind of like, Kind of glitzy kind of posters with the same, yeah. Mythical places like Babylon and Amsterdam to some people, especially in that movie, they build up Amsterdam to be like. Definitely, I definitely, my brain definitely went to a mythical place when I was in Amsterdam. So, (laughs) yeah, yeah, exactly. (laughs) But Um, yeah, I liked Amsterdam. I need to get, I I do need to give it a go because I I know. Just like, you know, like Manny's amazing in this. Brad Pitt's amazing in this. You know, you get good performances. It's just like, mm-hmm. yeah. It just doesn't all come together. And it's like kind of like you were talking about earlier. It's like you can only do so much with like the script that's out there. Yeah. But yeah, getting, yeah. I think what Margot does with this role is she, I think what it shows is just how um, 
incredible she is an actress that she can completely envelop a role and, and take it like because she's this role is so physical it's so it's not always pretty um pumps in ice sculpture she's the one humping in the ice sculpture we're yeah we're very excited about it <laughs> this is such a great quote then like and it, <laughs> and it, exactly uh, as i said again like um the filmmaking in this and how they write it and how they how it was edited and cut and shot and everything like oh so who's playing her like the, uh, she's the one um fucking the ice sculpture does it, yeah <laughs> does it say humping or fucking i don't know i don't know yeah, but, 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 yeah anyway the way anyway the way i think that's jeff garland isn't it that's it playing is the, yeah. it's like all those bit parts yeah like, and he's just like and he, he delivers and it's kind of like his comic his comic um understanding of in that moment to be like you know just the eyes and the and taking a puff of his cigar or cigarette or whatever and it's like yeah, we're very excited about her as she's just in the background. She's the one having a sex with the ice sculpture. There we go. Yeah. But in the script, it does say, sees Nelly atop ice sculpture humping it. So yeah. That's <laughs> in the script. Yeah. So, yeah. But, but, she, then, but she does have to, like, she does have to, I mean, she's wearing, um, I know I watched some, you know, just as YouTube rabbit holes and watching her do different interviews about um, the movie. And she said, we had to become very comfortable with nudity. Because you know yeah. she 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 was like I'm basically wearing a red like this beautiful red dress that's basically but it's just a couple of pieces of cloth covering everything and you know yeah. some bits and pieces are getting everywhere and and then obviously the whole scene is just like there's a lot of naked people and either yeah. either either naked dancing or just people engaging in coitus in the middle yeah. of the dance floor and all that kind of stuff. She just said this is you had to be kind of like become comfortable with it very quickly and then embrace the kind of chaos of it. And the chaos of the fact, like, it, I think it was um, the chore choreography was done by Mandy Moore, who did La La Land as well. Um, and she was like, and and kind of the direction for the choreography from um, Chazelle was like, he wanted it to be, it's actually, and you see it when you both, actually, so this is just a quick point in the choreography and the score. Again, Justin Hurwitz's score is just amazing. And it's like, you can just throw it on and, and just to be energized, uh, whether you, you're driving or you're chilling at home, doing that, it's just a great score. Um, but while it's a 1920s set movie, like Chazelle had this kind of direction with the choreography and the music that he didn't want it to exactly be traditional, like he wanted it jazzy, but he didn't want it to be traditional 1920s dance, flap, flapper girls, that kind of. He wanted it to have some kind of modernity to it, this chaotic, chaotic energy to the choreography and the music. He said that he wanted the, it to be jazz with a, with a hint of like modern dance and rock in the, in the, in the score, he wanted the kind of that energy. And then he wanted that with the dance as well. So you see this dancing that Nelly's Margot's, And I think it's just, even if you have no interest, for some reason, have no interest in this movie whatsoever, just watch the first, like just watch the dance scene as she goes, Oh, I love this song. And just, and just takes over the room. And, and it kind of sums up what her energy as an actress has been over the last 10 years is like, she's becoming, She's just impossible to ignore because she embraces like whether it be Barbie, which is a completely different role, obviously. Um, but her energy and how she embraces a role, it just is summed up in that dance scene, I think, for me, because she just attacks it and she's like lying on the floor and like eyes closed, smoking that cigarette, and that dress is almost falling off her, and then she just gets up and starts dancing, and she just absolutely and and we get we know exactly who that her character is between her going into the room looking for all the the coke the heroin i can't i, I tried to remember her to list off all the drugs right. that that manny's just like yeah this is what's in here and she's yeah. just like all right let's let's Martin go at it she's definitely one of them yeah um, but yeah and like later it's kind of similar when she's in the overalls in the mm -hmm. usc football team it's a similar vibe she takes over that seat and that's really where like 
it's hard to like almost be like turned off by Margot Robbie, but her character like kind of turns you off because yeah. she is so skanky bogans. Like it's just like, <laughs> like you're just like, God damn it. Oh, and she's Australian. Like when they go to like the nice party that Manny got her in and they're trying to recover her image and she just can't help herself. And you're just like, oh, it's just so uh it's off-putting i mean i mean she i mean she was right all those people were absolute cunts yeah absolutely but she handled it the wrong way yeah (laughs) i guess that's what this story like it's it's such a story about how uh yeah there's like she she had issues um that should have been like like she like her family she's obviously a dad and and her mom as well and she and she at her most vulnerable times when she talked to manny a couple of times about those things like like when she's in the taxi um, and go, goes to see her, like when they're in New York, you kind of get this, mo- like probably the only maybe truly herself vulnerable moment. Cause the rest of the time yeah. she's just, she's just trying to get through to whatever she Has needs. Yeah. yeah. Um, and she kind of just says that like, this is how my life's going to just going to have to go. Cause it's all I've, I, the only way I've gotten to this point is by just saying, fuck the expectations and be myself and, and be a bigger yeah. <laughs> yeah and be a bigger version of myself than even i know i can be and she does that in both in that dance scene and then yeah the the party scene where she fights the snake and and yeah. she and she she truly believes she's in, invincible in a way i think she knows that she's not deep down but she's just like i'm just gonna and i think she's also okayed herself with the fact that she's not long for this life maybe you know she said you know it starts off like at the start she says ain't life grand and then at the end she says it as she dances off into the night again and like and she even says it uh, in that taxi with manny earlier in the movie that she's you know when i know i you know when my time's up i'll dance off into the night and that's exactly what she does and ain't life grand kind of bookends it yeah so they definitely killed her right she didn't just dance off an od like they killed her i would assume um no, I don't know. I, I interpretation, but that's what I took from it. It's because that guy was in the town and he blasts Rory Scovel, which I'll I will he's obviously my favorite character in the movie and we'll talk about that later. <laughs> the, count. the count. It's actually like... the, the count. Yeah. Just would you like Rory would you like just kills it? And as like in such a bit part, he's just perfect. Mm-hmm. I love it so much. Yeah. Just the yeah. faces he makes when they're at Toby was like, oh. <laughs> Would you like a drink? Yeah. <laughs> he's <laughs> It's um, with ether. You're just like, good God. No wonder you're <laughs> dying right now. And yeah. I don't even get the spitting thing, but that's a whole nother story. We'll talk about it later. But mm-hmm. what, Ethan Supley, I believe is his name. Yeah. He's the terrifying man. Yeah. It's a goddamn sailboat. <laughs> well, forever, remember, is, is big guy from more rats but you know he's been in a lot since then but um stupid bastard of all time to a child yes <laughs> schooner you <laughs> <laughs> <Her new> new <laughs> dumb bastard yeah. to a child to a, to, yeah to a child you dumb bastard just the way he delivers it so good um anyway yeah he's 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 changed a lot since then since more rats yeah. um, and also since singing one of the most horrific songs of all time in uh american history x oh god yeah yeah forget that um, <laughs> mm. uh, talk about committing to a role yeah I, yeah that whole 
yeah, that whole sequence we'll have to talk about later because yeah. I do not get it. But I get this like I get the symbolism in it, but there's yeah, we'll get to it because it'll be interesting to see where we get to when we talk about that. I guess the last thing to talk before we um maybe break for the half. We've talked a bit about Brad Pitt's Jack Conrad and um obviously we just talked about Margot and an incredible performance. I really enjoyed Diego Calva's Manny. Um yeah. or Men Manuel, depending on I thought he did a good job with it. It's just I didn't one of my issues with the film is I never like really like was rooting for Manny. <laughs> yeah, I think I don't know if it's Not interesting because I, yeah. I don't know if you're meant to root for or root against yeah. any of them. It's just like the they're representing a part of it and it's just kind of like you do root for i guess the i mean he was an immigrant trying to make good in the on the american dream but he also let himself get corrupted by it um in the way of so quickly and easily. yeah even like but it's also but he also knew that that's the only way like if he wanted to get to where he was going to go he had to let himself be but then he 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 kind of let it go too far i guess which is the story of it um like helping flea get the girl out right away it's like, yeah because they're just gonna go dump that woman's body somewhere mm-hmm. yeah so, but then you know it's it's either he's just gonna end up on the street you know with with nothing if he doesn't do so it's it's kind of like it too is what they make it seem like that they hint at i guess so it's like well i don't think it was i think it was just like an immigrant back like to me it was just like he just didn't want to he didn't like he because he even he wants himself referred to as Manny rather than Manuel because he wants to be a little bit more, um, like, like people be more oblivious to his, you know, his heritage. And even at the even at that party when they're like, "Where are you from?" Like, is that Mexican? He's like, "Oh no, I'm from Madrid, Spain." No, he is from Mexico. And then you know we'll get to the end of it, but you know briefly is like you know as soon as everything goes to shit, he's like, "We're going to Mexico." So it's kind of yeah. there's a bit of irony in that, but. Um, well, I thought his I thought his performance was really really fantastic. Anyway, I do just like hate his voice a little bit, especially the way he says Nelly. Like when he he screams Nelly too much in the film. That <laughs> is but I yeah. also like like at the end of the day, he was like willing to yell Nelly like three times, and he's like, "All right, fuck it, I'm out of here." <laughs> like, yeah. Because at the end of the day, he was about himself. Like there were multiple times where he could have helped Nelly in her career throughout the whole thing, but you know he was also interested in his own, his own uh, climb through, through Hollywood. And that's why it's so funny when they're at that fancy party and him and um, Brad Pitt like walk by each other and they kind of look at each other like, "What the fuck are you doing here?" Yeah. <laughs> so one of my favorite parts of the movie is just the look they give each other, which was acted perfectly by both of them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I guess that's, I guess, yeah, I guess before we get to the halftime, we can talk about, because we talked about the party, I think my favorite sequence of the entire movie, um, I think is that first day on set straight after the party, the kinoscope, silent set, I mean, closely followed by the sound one, but I think the chaos of that is just so fun. Like, 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 there's so much going on as well between all three characters. They used to do that shit. They used to like, and he's like breaking 10 cameras and it's just mm-hmm. like and he's like all like sp- amazing performance by spike jones which i'll have a question for you in the second half mm-hmm. about just kind of the cast but like just that whole thing is like it was so cool to see on like such a big scale of like 
oh yeah they actually did shit like this and mm-hmm. yeah extras did die and yeah there are guys from skid row that they like <laughs> with like like slop in a bucket and that almost want to kill manny and so yeah but then I mean, manny summit that again that everybody that scene shows who everybody is too right away is mm-hmm. that booth is not booth <laughs> i've been watching once upon a time at hollywood in hollywood before i go to bed so that's just mm-hmm. like in my head but brad pitt's character is a star he is the booze bag he loves the life but he he delivers when he has to mm. nelly delivers when he has when she has to in a way only nelly could do especially back then and then like grabbing that guy's fonts and then manny gets on a horse with a gun and delivers when what he has to it's like these yeah. people but even if you deliver every time hollywood eats you up like you said earlier so mm. it's like, yeah so yeah, yeah incredible like i think it's one of those scenes in the movie that really does the great job of the the editing because you've got manny uh racing back to back to hollywood area to grab the um the camera you've got like uh obviously margo's nelly uh doing her performance and they're different like one tier two tier like how many do you want and 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 obviously cutting back to the director just you know gradually getting more impressed and even i think don like uh um is Jeff Hart? Is I'm just blanking on the name. Yeah, yeah. His wallet kind of, you know, towards the end, they they all start taking notice. Even as another sets on fire, they're just like, no, we keep rolling, um, yeah. which is the chaos of it. And they kind of just and so there's all the cut. But then in between that, it cuts back to like you know, Brad Pitt is getting gradually drunker and the, and he's and he's doing business deals on the writing phone. Yeah. yeah, writing a script. Frankly, Scarlet, Scarlet, you're a cunt. Type it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um. And then, and then just the chaos of the set. Like I, I wrote in my notes, it was just like, like movie sets, like, and you have that little bit in the middle where they break for lunch and they're all like going along in a gruel line, like kind of like a, like a battle, like an actual battlefield, um, like kitchen where they're just getting slop. And it's just like, because they are actually like all the people that are actually out in that battlefield for that shoot were genuinely at, at... probably like food because they're all like on skid row, but mm-hmm. it's like, it does remind me of this picture, like from the 1960s, they had a from like Disney World, where like everybody in their co- it's just in a cafeteria, but everybody's in their co- it's just lunchtime, so everybody's in their costume, like walking through, and it reminded me of that, like because yeah. everybody's in a little different, like somebody's on the African Sahara, somebody's in like chainmail, you know. Mm-hmm. It, was, it was just yeah, that's like the part where it's like kind of a love letter, but yeah also within that love letter you know like one of the extras dies you know the set's on fire um, <laughs> he did have you know, he did he, what was it he had a drinking problem is that what they say about it <laughs> yeah, yeah, well, yeah. Had <laughs> <laughs> might have run into it on his own yeah he, later in the scene yeah he ran into it on his own. <laughs> Jesus. it's brutal and then and then you and then i again like just one of those many bits like when the the spear just comes rattling through the tent yeah. and then he's just on the phone and everyone else panics and he's just like <laughs> yeah as, yeah and you have to imagine it was like that because there was no like no safety concerns and like spike jones breaking down over the like last broken camera is so perfect because it's like you literally like that was it like you mm-hmm. have everybody there you have the light and it's just like yeah, yeah you can't do that i guess it's a good cameras. <laughs> I, I love um how it ends like the day ends because you get obviously uh, manny races back and he uses his the the character traits that get him to climb this ladder that we've been talking about you know he he kind of 
talks is he just says, yeah, I'll grab whatever camera you got. I'll steal an ambulance and I'll get, get this thing back. Um, <laughs> I love as he's racing back and, but before he gets back there and you know, spike Jones and he's just like on top of the hill as the, as the sun's going down, he's like, I'm so sorry, God. <laughs> it's just like yeah. in his German, in his German accent, just like yeah. lamenting and he's dirty and he's in a singlet and he's just like, and it's just, that's what the pressure that was on them. And, and it, to this day still is like, I'm sure there's been director like at some point, well, maybe not in the last couple of months with the strikes going on, but at some point in the last year, there's been a director at the end of a day, just lamenting um, their, their trials to God because the day's just gone terribly. And they're just like, I'm so sorry. I wasted this good light and I'm so sorry. And, but then ironically it all came together in this one beautiful shot where even a butterfly lands on Brad Pitt and, as you said, he pulls it together because he's he's about to throw up right before the yeah, shot starts. But he, he those tears deliver a line. So, <laughs> I mean, he does, but he doesn't have to like doesn't have to sound good. But yeah, yeah just like you would feel that, like the way Spike Jones reacts when they get the shot after it is like that is exactly how you would feel after mm. all of that. And it is also kind of like a funny like little nod to like how obsessed everybody is with Golden Hour and like mm-hmm. how that. Like, like it's funny it's like you could still do that shot like you don't totally need golden hour but but it looks better like, it does look i you know it's funny i we drive we drive you know and through los angeles at golden hour and you're driving past downtown it's like fuck it looks good right now <laughs> like and then you know different you know at midnight as well and you get that kind of uh to throw back to our last episode that drive kind of neon soaked kind of look over downtown there is different looks that you just can't but yeah yeah but maybe, maybe that's when maybe this is when they discovered what gold now was was when uh maybe, when, yeah, that's yeah that's like you I know they're imagining camera like those cameras being able to like truly depict golden hour which is why i thought it was well yeah it, well already it was black and white anyway but like Back what then they... it would have been like no the sun is going down so we just yeah. won't be able to see anybody but yeah but, but it was all too. So. It was beautifully sh- like it, like yeah. for us. Like obviously, they show us that little bit of the square of like what it's going to look like for a film yeah. of the nineteen twenties era, which it looks great. But the 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 wide shot that we see as you know nineteen. Uh, I was about to say nineteen twenty three, twenty twenty three film goers, or if yeah. you if you saw it at opening late twenty twenty two. I think it's one of my favorite shots. I posted it. Um, I did that little series of photos when I first watched it um, of how good it, like, because I just enjoyed it so much. I had to do a post. And one of the shots was when Brad Pitt's like, you know, kissing the girl in his garb and, and uh, you know, just, all, and just that shot basically is just like with the couple of cannon explosions in the background and the war scene in the background and the, and the golden hour light. It's just actually one of the great shots in the last 10 years of cinema, I think. And it's just, it's lost in a, in a movie that's so much about, not that scene because that scene is kind of immaterial to the greater thesis of the story but it's also very important it's it's very important but it's just like people focus on the party scenes and all that stuff is what i'm saying but that's that's just such a beautiful shot that's, because it's such a, a three-hour movie it's kind of there's so much that's to talk about from it people sometimes forget by the end of the movie that little piece of the movie but i love that was one of my favorite like visually oh. visually like i just want to drink that little bit in because that's just that's cinema, cinema of the highest form. And I think that's the credit to Chazelle and Sangren, the cinematographer, and as to everyone involved, was just like how, you know, how they made that happen, which is obviously the the magic of cinema. And I'm sure they, I'm sure they probably had a pretty hard day because they had to, they had to set like, you know, we're talking about a fake movie. We're day. talking about a movie, movie within a movie, but that, you know, they had to set that up in the, and modern day cinema is still not easy to do, especially 
practically, you know, a lot of, you know, there's computer generated effects involved in a lot of cinema these days, but you're still, the basis of it is all physical, practical stuff. And they had to do that. So it was really it's cool that they showed picketers, which is like, you know, the same yeah. issue going on today is just fair pay, you know, it's just like, yeah i did i did think it was an interesting time for this movie to be coming out like six months before a strike because it's and you know especially because we're probably going to see a little bit of a, a lighter load of movies in the in the future it might be a good time for this movie to really because i think babylon's going to hit like a cult kind of thing over the next few years it's like a lot more people see it on streaming and and be like why didn't i hear about this movie sooner and it's interesting that you know not that we want to strike but it might be that more people have to go back and revisit some stuff as, as you know, depending on how this thing long, this thing goes, we're already going to see some delays in a lot of movies and projects. So yeah. Yeah, definitely. Like, And there's, and this movie really sets up why we uh, like just to finish off the first half here is why we have strike action is because this, this, you know, babble on the, you know, early Hollywood was the wild west of Hollywood because no, there was no, precedent to work off of and and that's why there's been strike action since different times and why these things have developed is because you know we had extras go through and get impaled on their own like he ran into it himself no he didn't no no he didn't but you know (laughs) it was just because it was an unsafe set but you know there was no rights for him so it didn't matter but now it does matter and there's rights and safety precautions in place and um, not that it can't still happen but um there is things in place to you know gonna get into it but there's things in place to make sure that we try to you know protect the people that work and 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 as well as actually get paid for it because that's what they they were they were wanting better pay for their day and manny just basically just broke up the across the picket line and broke it up but um you know yeah. these days and being like, yeah i have experience breaking up a strike it's just him just saying yes to like whatever you can do to get it yeah 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 so yeah with, yeah i mean yeah, so it's very important to continue to support the uh, the the working rights, and especially we're talking about this on Labor Day as well. Um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> All right, that's about it for the uh, the first half. We'll uh, take a quick break here, and um, we'll be back to. I think probably the biggest thing about this movie is how it wraps up, and probably is where some of it's misunderstood and and discussions happen. Um, so yeah, we'll be back real soon. Action. Got it. Fire. Everyone run. 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 Don't stop the camera. Keep rolling. Keep rolling. Save Walter. Cannon. Woo. 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 Don't laugh at embarrassment. <laughs> now look at this more. You're trying to hide the shame. Hold steady. You're trying to be strong. You're trying to bury the pain. But you can't hold back that one final tear.
And cut. Cut. We got it. Second half. Two halves. <laughs> Two halves. Two halves. I'm drinking, it's a little more passionate. What's that? When I'm drinking, it's a little more passionate. Yeah. Yeah, I'm half in the bag at that point. It'll <laughs> be weird to remember a second half of the podcast. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's going uh, to be interesting to see where this goes. So I think what we've talked about is the first half of me we didn't actually briefly like as an entertaining way to kick off the sec the, the uh second half of the podcast we do need to talk about the uh the scene in which we discover the the how they how they're doing sound pictures <laughs> and, yeah, that's uh, probably my favorite scene in the movie yeah it's it very close to, it's very close to me with that uh silent movie angry. set but yeah pure anger from everyone like just how it like, just how it builds and yeah yeah it's it yeah and just yeah again another person dying it's so hot in here just get back yeah. in your fucking box like, <laughs> all-time performance by that actor who i never remember his name but he's such a good like bit actor i know he's in wolf of wall street too yeah and i, I think I, I was thinking of wolf of wall yeah, even his uh, very uh, un-PC tirade at at a at a. <laughs> but again, that's like a little like hint into like how like racist early Hollywood was, which obviously there's a whole subplot to it, which I feel like they could have done more on um, with Sydney. Um, mm. They like hinted that with Sydney, and like kind of like we already talked about with Manny is like he didn't want to be Mexican; he wanted to be Spanish because yeah. Of what- such high racism against Mexican people in LA at that time. And then obviously the Jewish um, anti-Semitism yeah. shown there. That, yeah. Um, Which is all still somewhat there. Yeah. Where exactly. And yeah. it definitely was back then. Um, before. Mm. Yeah. Um, so yeah, just a great scene overall and shows like how difficult it was for like these great actors to be able to find their new place in a, ever-changing landscape and they do it in a very funny way of wanting to fight the sound engineer and just like how like delicate the microphones used to have to be Mm. yeah it was like the christian bale terminator rant but yeah (laughs) yeah 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 i mean it's stuff it's stuff like this that got like i think i was reading i can't remember i think it was actually a female director that got like the that innovated like the boom microphone i was like because because they they this kind of stuff was like you know so stuffy and stagnant to have to deal with you know setting up microphones in certain places so they just they developed the boom mic out of you know obviously that was probably going to develop anyway but um you know it's kind of there's there's, 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 it's kind of like i mean not getting into it but you know We'll do, we'll do Oppenheimer at some point, and yeah, the nuclear weapon was always going to happen. It's just who was going to do it, but you know, someone was still had to do it. Um, and you know, the boom might kind of developed out of that. You know, having people having to hit marks, it's like, well, you, you can't act if you're having to hit a mark every time. You know, this, you know, we we have stage direction and marks on stage and all those kind of things, but you need to be able to have a little bit of whether it's five, ten percent each way, and that's why they have boom. Like why we have movies the way they're made now is like, you know, because if you've got a 
you know good operators on micro sound and stuff like that is you can work with the actor if they she feels a little bit more breezy walking into the room as 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 margot's nelly did um taking a bit lighter and you you if you had a boom mic operator that was on the on point then they just capture it anyway and it wouldn't matter but <laughs> instead you got fucking lloyd up in the box <laughs> yelling about how the first time that she's blown the fucking valves and then the next time that she's mr mark slightly and he's losing his fucking mind and i was like, fully a, I, too. like yeah bro like I, I wanted to fucking kill lloyd is it lloyd yeah. Is it? I don't know. Fuck. Yeah. I, I, I need to. I need to have this right because I fucking hate Lloyd. Lloyd sounds right though. Lloyd sound guy, uh, Babylon. You're getting you're getting live googling. Yeah, yeah, Lloyd was the sound mixer. Yeah. Fuck. Fuck that guy. Seriously. Like I get that he's. Yeah. Obviously, we're talking about a time that we just don't understand. Um, as a at, to, to a technical point of how difficult it was. Well, just like and, the and I'm sure like, there's the like, go. You have surgery in your knee. It's like okay, yeah. don't move your leg. You're like, what the fuck? Yeah, <laughs> and, and 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 yeah, a brilliant performance by uh, Chazelle's wife, Olivia oh, Hamilton, by the way, as a like, director, because she does a great job in this yeah. in the in the in the on the silent film set earlier. But then, just as she's getting more frustrated and like she's really excited at first, she's like, and go, and she's like waiting for the right moment, and then like 17, 17 takes later, she's just like, just fucking go like i don't know like Actually, the sound the sound guy is just gonna fucking ruin it anyway so who cares um yeah yeah i wanted to fucking kill lloyd like great great performance by that guy because he made me hate him because he's just he's just losing his mind about every single fucking thing but then like something like there's i noticed in that scene there was different moments of like loud sound happening that he just wasn't picking up and i'm like what, what's the parameters here lloyd like her voice wasn't even that loud in that first scene and she, he's just like gosh oh, you blew the valves and, and then like the windows like cracked too. <laughs> it's, mm, like, wow. it's so yeah. sensitive back then. Yeah. But, but that, like, yeah. When, like when Ruth says, like, let us get through the scene, he's like, Well, why would I do that if you can't even use it? But it's like, no, it's important to get through the scene. That's why, like, like we've come so far in like like filming things and sound things. It's like just get through the scene so the actors know like that was what was flustering Nelly. Is that yeah, because she had she didn't hadn't even got to like at one point or ten. Yeah, I couldn't get to the phone. Like, yeah, it's was, it was like it shows how far we've come, which again is probably what Giselle is trying to do. It's mm-hmm. like, like this is like we think we have problems now with like CGI and everything like that, but mm-hmm. know, back then it was very bare bones. Like, hit your mark. It's almost like a play. Yeah, and by the way, Margot didn't sound like a donkey. <laughs> I, I was thinking of you know it was funny, and again, Margot like a little bit. She yeah, stinky. yeah, no, but she she does such a great job in this role that you can believe her being this you know somewhat dirty girl from Brooklyn that's um that you know just par- parties too hard and gambles too much and all that. But um, I I think back to Barbie when they when they're talking about someone not being quite not not feeling pretty enough and when they uh who's the, whatever the narrator and Barbie that skips in and goes. Margot Robbie probably isn't the greatest actor to be portraying this point because she is gorgeous. And I was just think <laughs> it's just like when she's in the bathroom and she he- overhears the people like talking about her. I'm like, that's Margot Robbie, man. But yeah. but such is her performance that like I could believe it at the same time. It was only yeah. probably because I'd seen it after I'd seen Barbie and just the and and again Margot's just you know one of the most gorgeous actresses out there and just but that's how good her performance is again in this is like she just takes on this dirty role that has a running bare feet through the desert to fucking tackle a rattlesnake and 
and wearing just overalls and you know um, just I, I assume a liberal use of hollywood tape to make sure everything stays together there even though she does flash a little bit of nip in the movie but you know it's done at the right time and, and that's that. not her name, but that's neither here nor there yeah um <laughs> I also did. I also found it funny. Just before we get into the latter half of the movie, I wanted to make a point. There's a there's a meme thing out there about how it's like Margot Robbie, I think Jamie King. There's another actress, uh, Emma McKee, uh, Emma Mackey, who's in Barbie with her, I think, and then Samara Weaving, and they all like if you put them all like with blonde hair together, they all look kind of similar. Yeah. And uh, and uh, and Margot Robbie and Samara Weaving are in the same movie together in this one with her Samara Weaving of of course playing I think it's Con- Constance Moore was her character's name and she's the one bitching at her about icing her nipples and, yeah. <laughs> and and she put this in my dressing room too as she holds up a dildo I have no idea what that is. I just thought that was funny is Samara Weaving. Yeah, Samara Weaving's a uh, an alumni of Australian uh, soap operas as well as as Margot is. So it's just a cool thing as me and as an Australian seeing those two uh, in a movie together. And Samara Weaving's had a, is having a decent career as well in her own right as a, as a bit of a screen queen um, in the horror movies and um, Ready or Not. So in this well. Oh, she she played she played the role. Like, it was only a very bit part, and as we talked about. Um, I mean, maybe this is the time to briefly touch on it before we get too much into the the uh, the greater questions of how the movie ended. Um, a lot of great bit parts in this. We touched on Olivia Wilde already as the as the as the first divorcee. Um, we had Catherine Waterston as as the as as the as the uh, the stuffy um, theater theater um, nerd. Burger I guess the snake scene makes it for me. I don't. I think they could have completely cut the snake scene personally, but like her reactions to it. Yeah. One question I had is like there is a moment in that snake scene where like Brad Pitt is like kind of taking everything in and then takes charge. I was like kind of I didn't really know what he was going for in that moment. Like what what he was trying to like show Brad Pitt thinking. No, it's interesting you bring that up because I was wondering that yesterday myself. So I think that's where this movie is like almost perfect in the sense that like there's there's a grand and I think what like now watching it through, I think at the time you don't know, but I think it's like one of those moments where he's just like what like is this too like what like this is is this too much like he's re- he's starting to reckon with his aging and his and 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 kind of like and he's seeing it all in slow motion i think he's almost seeing it like it's a movie set in front of him and because then he then it all comes together and he goes once more into the breach and he yeah. charges charges off and gets hit by the car and i think like yeah. that moment is meant to to me, because like, I thought about it for a while afterwards, because I had the same question as you, I was like, what is this exactly meaning in the grand scheme of the movie? Because you're right, as, as entertaining as the snake scene is, at a very superficial level, you just go, does the movie need it? But I think uh, when I watch it all, I just think it's just this whole movie doesn't work without each of its bits. Um, That's fair. And, uh, and, I think, and I think that was I think that was meant to represent his, like, he's looking at all this and going, this is all because he there's the music there's a kind of uh classical soundtrack over it and he's he's still slow motion he's kind of taking it in misty eyed misty curved um <laughs> and and he's kind of seeing it in a, for a romantic view but also seems to almost like at the same time being like because he knows it's real it's like there's also a little bit of like this is just pure chaos and what am i doing like what are we doing here and like is this too much and there's a i think there's a lot going on in that in his mind because as we see it, as we get to the end of the movie, I think a lot was going on in his mind about how he was dealing with things because he didn't 
understand how to compartmentalize everything. And I think that's what he was trying to do in that moment. I think it came to the point of being like, all right, once more into the breach. <laughs> and then, then he ends up fucking flat in his face after a car hits him. So her reaction to that is so funny. Oh, it's great. Yeah. She's so good at yeah. So good. yeah. Yeah. I mean, I love her. She's uh she was in um one of the alien movies, actually, like the recent one, Alien Covenant. And so I've I've let and she's in uh, Inherent Vice and, if, and she's in a lot of good movies and Shasta Fay. Yeah. Um all time muse there. <laughs> so yeah. Yeah. I, I've always liked her as an actress. She was just in the recent season of Perry Mason, which was fun. She was kind of the same time period, a little bit mm-hmm. earlier. A little bit later, but yeah, and then you got like, yeah, what was your favorite bit part, I guess? Um, that's a good question, actually, because I, I mean, you could, I think Toby McGuire's above a bit part because he was so promoted and stuff. But it, like, when you watch the movie, it's like he was a bit of a bit part. Um, <laughs> I mean, I Spike Jones probably, but I think I, yeah, I really, yeah. I really liked Flea as like, he is good. Yeah, yeah, I, I liked him, and he's kind of like, he's not quite studio heavy, but he's kind of got that kind of, you know, he's kind of in between the lines of things. Like, you know, he's the one that's dealing with, um you know the body passed out in the room um but he's also trying to he's also trying to squirrel people away to different companies like you know was he trying to he was trying to take manny to mgm or the other way or kinoscope he was trying to get him yeah he was trying to get him okay, yeah okay. yeah uh, um yeah he was good in it he was yeah like, so yeah i like flea's performance a lot and it, like you double take at it at first but mm-hmm. really good yeah and i actually yeah we already talked about it but i think samara weaving probably like she was the one that like did the most with a little bit a little bit of time like just her just you know incredulousness and and shock and and frustration at this uh this fucking yeah i mean eric <laughs> yeah like basically losing her career in a way but yeah spike mm-hmm. jones especially like spike jones coming about that early in the film is like you're like oh this is going to be why this is going to be a wild ride yeah <laughs> Yeah. And it's funny because for some reason yeah, in my head, in my head, like because Spike Jones, obviously a great director, but he's a decent acting roles. For some reason, I always picture him as the uh, as the quiet, stuffy guy trying to relate with, uh, ironically, with Brad Pitt's um, uh, Billy Bean and Moneyball, like where he's just with his flip flops and his his white pants in his rich house, and he's just like. So how's the team doing today this this year? Yeah. Is it looking good? <laughs> like they're really quiet. And then you've just got him being this like singleted, dirty, shaved head, crazy no. German crazy, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> crazy German future uh SS leader director in this movie. Um, I always view Spike Jones as Giovanni Rabisi in Lost in Translation. <laughs> I don't know if you remember that role. No, I don't know. It's like who Scarlett Johansson's dating in that. Mm-hmm. In Lost in Translation, Giovanni. I need to see that. Lost in Translation is one of those movies I need to see as an adult. But like that character, because like Sofia Coppola and Spike Jones are obviously together. That mm-hmm. character is absolutely based on him, and it's just like, you know, yeah. So that's how I always view Spike Jones, even though he's like a really interesting guy and like has made really good films and like mm-hmm. collaborates with really good people. But that's how I always envision him. Yeah. So yeah, he was another one that just kind of just dove into this little bit part role, you know, which is again just really make the scene for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. you needed you needed that kind of energy for for the the whole chaos of that whole period of the film is like you need that that guy doing that. And yeah, especially getting someone that's so well known 
with renowned in both in front of and behind the camera. And ironically, it's just like, it's an actor. That's an act. Like he is, he is a legitimate actor, but he's also a legitimate director and he's acting as being a director. <laughs> it's just like, yeah. yeah. He's so good in uh, three Kings. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He's, he's a great actor. So. Yeah. 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 Three Kings was a young role for him too. Yeah. Yeah. That's a, that's a good, that's a, that's one to tick off for the future. Cause that's an interesting movie. I think that's ahead of it. That movie was ahead of its time. I think. Like David O. Russell's best film, probably. Mm. Yeah, he never hits the mark for me. Really, he's close, but he never really does. Yeah, that's a good way of putting it. Yeah, but I think probably Three Kings like, is probably Amsterdam the one. Is the same way as we just talked about. Yeah, so. yeah, he's got a lot of good movies out there that, but that they're not ones that I ever go back and rewatch as and love as much as others. Anyway, this isn't David O. Russell. We'll, we'll talk about that at some point. <laughs> um, all right, so we I think get to the third act. Yeah, I think that's where. Uh, it's funny because I, I might be one of, I know there's a decent amount of people out there that love this movie and actually like, and but yeah, I, I guess before we get into it, because I, because I, because I will possibly argue with you, but respectfully, of course, um, and maybe, oh, and maybe, and maybe you'll, yeah, I argue is the wrong word, but it's also the, the one that debate. comes to mind. Yeah, debate. Yeah, we'll debate and um, how the movie ends so you have a theory about where you wish it had ended and i and i and i will debate it <laughs> but i'll, I just I'll let... cared more about oh. brad pitt's character than nelly okay so i think if you end it right when brad pitt kills himself mm-hmm. you know um offs himself however you want to say it which is shot beautifully by the way it's like mm-hmm. it's like such a private moment of a man like deciding to do that type of thing and it's shot like through the crack of a door like we're not even supposed to be there because it's mm-hmm. just like, this guy's moment with his last moments with the world and it's like i thought it was shot just perfectly like, one thing i wish like one thing i thought they they could have not done is shown him with the gun and just shown him walk by and just do it but whatever it's still it's still great especially after like the dialogue that he has um with the actress that's going to europe it's just like yeah lin Fei yeah like when yeah. she looks back and she like it's like she almost knows like mm. this is the last time she's ever going to see that guy so it's yeah just like, she probably didn't, ex- it probably didn't expect it that night but she probably knew somehow oh, she, knew she yeah because what did she, she say something about it yeah she's like yeah well she, she said, just goes you you okay honey or she says yeah. something really really personable and and is exactly like as a throwback i think that what this movie does well and i noticed it more in a second time is how many moments and lines of dialogue call back to the start of the film and how's people's relationships with each other. Like, um, cause he sits down with Lin Fei at the start of the movie and they have really, they, they're and, happy. They're yeah. And, and she, and she's, and he's like, can you just go, you know, hang out with George for a bit? You don't have to fuck him. Like any, like he has the respect yeah. for her. He has the respect for her to say, I don't expect, like, obviously I don't expect this out of you. I just, I just yeah. want you to, yeah. Yeah. I just want you to just, just make him feel human again. And and she understands and because they have such a good relationship because they make each other feel human and understand each other at a human level. Yeah. Um, and yeah, it calls back to that in that scene you're talking about is like the fact that she sits down with him they have, and how happy he is to see her amongst yeah. all this, all this pomp that he's sitting around and all these people that are fettering over him, over him, you know, being back because he had a good role in a shit movie. And then and, terrible movie, but, yeah. but yeah, but he's, but he can, she's the one, but one of those few from the old times that he can be real with and sit down with. And when he knows that she's, I think when he knows that she's going, whether you're, I, I assume, obviously a thought was probably on his mind already, but you know, I, I was wondering that yesterday. I was like, was it when she, he knows that she's going to Europe and he knows that this time, 
that he's maybe been clinging onto is finally coming to an end is when he makes that oh, decision. Wow. But the gun was already up there. I see. So I, yeah. yeah, it's an interesting. Uh, yeah. Who knows there, but, but like his, yeah, like his good buddy had killed himself too. Mm-hmm. Like, He's the one that said, I had ten- he says that on the phone. Like, yeah. And um, but yeah, I mean, just going back to that quickly, like when he says like, when he one. hangs up the yeah he's the first first one i said had talent and then he comes into the room and starts like just going at catherine waterston's uh estelle i think her character name yeah. is um you know this isn't a low art form you know i know you sit there with this and he does he's yeah he has some great monologues in this movie one of my favorite lines he has in this film i got i had it written down because i i wanted to say it right where is it um when he's when he's standing up in his singlet and he's fucking like when he collapses off the, the roof, which is just incredible moment of just comedy as well. But when he says we need to map those dreams on the celluloid and print them into history, and I was just like, that's kind of like one of the thesis statements on this of this film is like it everything right. everything is working into doing that. But anyway, as you said, that uh that scene was one of the yeah, what probably the heart heartbreaking scene of the film, I think, is when we see him do that. Because we we see him for all his flaws. Um I think he's he's one of the most I don't think you could ever have a guy in a movie that has four different wives across a movie and we see him as so sympathetic and so human and so real as that movie. Like I just, I yeah. can you think of another example of a guy that across a movie has four different wives and we see is so oh, not that not Exactly. That's what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying is like, this is the guy that in any other, in different movies, different tones, different kind of genres we'd see is just like, he'd be a, a slapstick um, womanizing piece of shit, but he actually just was just like, it's almost, and it's not to say like, it's not to be belittle the women he's with in the movie. <laughs> I mean, he like, he, there's the one woman, like an, an incredible piece of movie making as well. The one that doesn't, what is she? I can't remember. Hungarian. She's Hungarian. That's right. And he's talking about how, like, they're talking about how good sound will be in movies as as he's on the phone and she's just breaking shit around him and yeah. and you're struggling to hear properly. Like, yeah. and then also the the bit when they're in the bathroom and um, I was like, why why would sound be a bad thing if someone's just taking a dump? And just yeah, <laughs> it'd be magical, right? Like, yeah. just just incredible moments of little bits of just absolute comedy in this movie, like like those two. But yeah, 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 his. His little moments where he truly talks about the uh, the beauty of what they're doing is like why I see this movie as such a love letter more than more than I see it as like I see it as a criticism of right. Hollywood and some of the dark sides of it and and certainly just as a historical document as well because I think that where Damien Chazelle came from in making this movie was just that he read the history of Hollywood and was fascinated by it mm-hmm. but and 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 he's still calling out the and I think he uses that that lens to call out some of the uh the continued behaviors but i think at the end of it he's also saying like this is just so if we can deal with all that shit this is worth it because what we do what we do at the purest form is really beautiful i think it's what brad pitt's character is trying to tell us throughout the film um it's what i took out of it and but yeah, he knew that. He yeah, knew that's that. That's why I thought, like, yeah. like because he is like the moral voice of the film, which is mm-hmm. nice. like you said, four wives and everything, and he's banging the waitress at the party and everything. But he, they, they had broken up at that point, just to, just to bring up a Ross and Rachel thing into that. <laughs> a couple, yeah, for a couple. He, she, yeah, she'd yeah. taken off. She, she taken off at that point. Yeah, but yeah. Uh, like he was like the moral compass of the film, kind of, and like I took him getting kicked out of 
Hollywood harder than like Nelly, I think, because Nelly like did play fast and loose with like mm-hmm. everything. And whereas he was like kind of this old school, old school film type of guy, like, and so like, I thought it would just be like slamming the book shut on the movie if you end it right there, because it's like, okay, those people are done. It's on to the next thing. Be- mm. Especially because you get the Gene Smart conversation right before that, which is a which is very 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 well done as well. Yeah, that was yeah. And then they show her. I mean, it is cool that they show her later, and they show the studio exec talking to like some new star, some young star, and she's just looking at it at at the funeral. Like, mm. here we go again, and she says just as much. She's like, "There's going to be hundreds of you, and there's going to be hundreds of me." It's just. Mm. Like, go on and on which is like kind of in a way beautiful in its sadness it's just like yeah it's kind of like what we i mean that goes beyond just film that whole speech she gives it's like it's kind of all of us that are like yeah it's all of all of them like our questions about our own mortality and and how mortality and our souls and our memories and what we do like and all the questions we have about how we're gonna like did we ever live if in 200 years there's no no one speaking about us or anything like that but what she's saying is like and what he's you know this stuff lives on and yeah because in two three hundred years as long as you know the world hasn't burnt up by then um the films of harold lloyd are going to be remembered like andrea's like massive harold and they're, they're doing a harold lloyd uh little mini festival at the at quentin's new bev like later this month it's like you get he gets a mention in this film. Yeah, he does. He does. That's why it came into my mind as I was just thinking of like, you know, guys that get talked about in this movie and like, um, you know, I've only seen a couple and, and, and his, and his, yeah, uh, but I've, we've got a couple of them here. I haven't seen as many of Andrea. Like it's one of the, like we went to the, we went to the Academy museum and they've got a little section dedicated to his, they had his press because he actually blew his hand off like in one of his, okay. one of his early movies. And since after that point, he was a, which is a very good, allegory to babylon as well because babylon shows a lot of how chaotic and stupid the industry was for safety at that I time mean, but them giving all their own sons and everything i was just like i i did like chaplin more than lloyd but mm-hmm. yeah lloyd lloyd was the one that i think i think he actually made a decent transition into talkies which was um, did Charlie. yeah yeah they, but yeah i think i think lloyd he had a radio career and he actually like his voice was actually uh well received i guess but anyway that's that's getting off into the weeds a little bit somebody you had like the hardest time there was but there was plenty kind of like as you know it was that's what this movie kind of talks about but yeah yeah. and to get back to before we get into the so yeah your your point being so i i I, no I, i i do see like if it was more that brad pitt was the out and out main character but the pro the i mean I guess that's a problem with this. That's the problem with this movie in the, in one sense is that it did go into having three main people, uh, which I don't think, but I think at the same time, this movie, you would don't tell the same story. Like if you just focused in on Brad Pitt's character, then it might've been a two hour movie would have been fine, but then we wouldn't have had these memorable scenes because you couldn't, you couldn't do everything. This is probably what the imperfection of this movie is. I, I, what i love about it but it's also that you you're telling three stories that's why it needs three hours and that's why it couldn't finish on brad pitt's death even though i can see because the the movie does change fundamentally from that point um and we get the the toby Maguire almost horror movie jack mckay this is jack mckay i think his name is that whole scene all that stuff and the nelly but we had we the problem is and as i say i say problem 
even though I don't think it's a problem. But to your point, because I'm agreeing with you to a certain extent, but I'm also saying I think the movie, the way it started and the, the things you love about the movie as well, to the point of Brad Pitt's death, needed to be resolved like we couldn't we we needed we we couldn't just end the movie there and be, have like the you know how some movies do the the screen at the end where Nilly Leroy had a career for another five years and then yeah, she had but I think yeah. Nelly, like I think an out point for Nelly could have just been at that party it's like yeah she just totally fucked her career like even though like the audience gets that why she fucked her career at that like mm-hmm. nice party, that still slams the door shut on like okay Nelly you know was done in Hollywood basically yeah and then, yeah Again, I didn't ever really like totally care about Manny. <laughs> so Yeah, I guess that's where I'm different because I really <laughs> I really was transfixed by Diego Calva's performance. I don't know what it was. That's not what I mean. I'm just He's got he, No, 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 that's not, I'm not I'm not saying well, that's what you mean. I just think I was I really wanted to see where and and we'll get to the end end scene in, in a little bit here. Like I like the, that. Though, the like, 19... I was going to bring it up when we were talking about it like CGI earlier is like when they go through like all like they take you through like the different steps that cinema's gone through, whether like going mm-hmm. from the Matrix to Avatar to you know whatever it's going to be now. That I thought I thought that was really cool. So. Yeah, I enjoyed that too. On, on, Andrea, Andrea like didn't, that. so that was that was a discussion me and her had. So yeah, I liked yeah. it. Yeah, um, it I thought it. And again, I think this comes down a lot to like like the people who saw this and like really like adore film and like movies and stuff and going to see and the experience and everything probably liked it and the people who just like go to movies to just be entertained probably didn't yeah and that's a a, and that's what's interesting about it as well as like i mean i I guess it's very movie snobby to say but it is it is a movie fan for movie it is a movie for movie lovers not just fans but and there's a lot of people out there that'll be like oh no i do love movies but i didn't it's like no like I think there's a level to it and, and it's fine. Like if you're not into, like if you're in, into movies at a, whatever level you're at, as long as you're appreciating it and, you know, supporting the industry, then that's all like we, you need all, but a movie like this really does cater to the people that deeply love film to a level of understanding the, the pain and, and art that goes into it and, and the sacrifice that goes into it. Cause I, cause you know, I, you and I both love the story. Like we love, you know hearing about what you know directors journeys and writers journeys and actors and everyone that and all those things because we because we're both you know we both take that human interest in what makes people tick a little bit as well and and all that comes into loving movies and i think that's what this movie does is it kind of just shows you what it takes to get to that point and that's why i think i don't know we i it's so so you're saying that about the brad pitt death so the toby Maguire, the whole that whole sequence then it's, I, it's, it's kind of fun but yeah i mean it's yeah. just like yeah it's just more of manny selling his soul which like upon and like i've seen like it's an allegory for hell obviously like mm-hmm. he, the deep he's like the deeper you go into it the grosser it gets and the worse you're gonna the worst things you're gonna see and the worst things you're gonna have to deal with oh, an so allegory like, for hell and Hall- uh, halloween it's coming up. It's coming up to spooky season. It's on the brain. Hell and Hollywood as as like a as a as a one thing. Like the levels. Like a, yeah, it's like holding see... up a mirror to Hollywood on yeah. itself. It's just mm-hmm. like yeah, and it's like because like when you watch like the guy eat the rat, it's like yeah, Hollywood like will like they'll do anything to entertain people if it brings in a buck. Like if oh, and and that some people in Hollywood will do anything like 
you know, well, people that don't have much recourse for doing anything else, like, because we found this guy in a forest in Oregon. I said to yeah. you, I was just like, I always love when Oregon randomly comes up in movies. Right. <laughs> yeah. Because Oregon, Oregon has a certain mystique to it, I think, as well. Oh, um, guy who will eat rats for money. Yeah. Let's <laughs> go, ducks. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's but, and it's just like, again, it's kind of like the snake scene. I just don't know if it was necessary, but it was, you know. I think what this, because, well, and this is the point I've been getting to the whole time, is I think this movie is like, a, there's a lot of, there's a lot of just pure entertainment to it. And, and like I said, I, I still, I see it as more of a love letter, but I think it's also a love letter by, that says, I know everything that's wrong with this industry and everything that's bad about it. And I'm putting it on show, the full, depra- the full depravity of what can happen. And, you know, it's, he doesn't really hold back. I think he does the best job he can of making this movie not, you know, because it's a hard R, obviously, right. as a film yeah. in the rating system, and the fact, that, and, the, and the fact, and the fact, they embrace that straight away because it's very hard, and that's that's part of the reason this movie wouldn't have done as well because yeah. studios don't like R-rated movies because they 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 can't market them to much else than Everybody. adult than adults, yeah. and you can't, and you, you you know, so much of your movie industry is is families. So the fact that he, that he went for it and said no, there's no, because you know, a lot of directors will make concessions um or or try little tricks i remember wes craven i think it was scream 2 he submitted a much more violent cut of scream 2 to just so the just stuff. so the cut that he actually wanted that he already had he basically yeah. said so then when when they he submitted that they said take the do oh no that's horrible and then he submitted the cut he actually wanted and they yeah. said yeah that's fine that's way better than what we saw but no yeah. like but you know all those yeah. all those tricks aside and even like andrea and i were at a q and A Q&A recently with Brandon Cronenberg, whose last two films have both had uncut versions, and then he's had to release cut versions to. And he says it's ridiculous. It's just like, you know, Hollywood that you can't like you can't have a hard dick on screen. It can be soft, but it can't be hard. <laughs> and Babylon proves that. So, yeah, yeah, that's why there's and that's why there's all like there's a bit of soft dick on screen that's not hard. Um, but you know, and that's but but I I. That's what I was my point being. Like, I think he did the best job of making an R-rated movie that showed the full depravity without, and you know, he probably straddled the line and probably had talks about what how much he could go. Um, I think it's the most one of the more X-rated R-rated movies there has been, but he does it so stylistically and class. You you kind of forget about it at some point. It, yeah, it, it's really really it's interestingly made. Cool. <laughs> yeah 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 infinity pool really um zooms in on some things um yeah. But, yeah very well made there's supposed to be classy people in it but yeah yeah um, yeah so it's just like i just felt like there was stuff that could have been cut and like yeah and yeah but i think and that's i would have liked more sydney as well is like yeah, mm. yeah we haven't even talked yeah and that's why i think there's a couple of that's why it was so ambitious and that probably why it was like there's lots of characters because we have you have the three mains, but then you have um, Sydney and um, Lynn Lynn Fay as well, and even Gene Smart as the uh, as uh, it was, what's that? Jerno. Jerno. I was trying to think of a character's name, but um, yeah, I can't think of it off the top. Yeah, but yeah, the, they were kind of the three secondary characters that had their careers were very much on show, and the and you know the black the blackface scene was heartbreaking. Yeah. Um, and a, and a, a depot plays that really well because you know you can kind of as he's playing because he plays the uh he plays the the trumpet with such um energy and and happiness 
at every scene. And that's one of the things that's like those subtle things that you kind of notice and rewatch as you're looking for things, uh, having seen the film is like, I was looking for, I was like, how is like, how is he playing and the style that he's playing and, and kind of his energy on stage throughout the movie was just so happy, so happy. And, and like, he was really just like feeling the music. And then that last scene where he's put the, uh, the cork on his face and he's, yeah. you can see the heartbreak in his face and he's playing where he's still playing with an energy, but it's a hateful energy. Angry. Yeah. yeah. They, I'm glad that they do show him like, at like, I'm glad they show him leave and show that he's not coming back. And then mm-hmm. show him like at a club, like just kind of like being humble and just like people being into his music. Yeah. And like, yeah, that was an, another scene I really enjoyed. It's just because his story was like interesting and like they just kind of hinted like what it was like for African Americans or minorities back then. And like he's like, I think he goes home from playing that part, that all night party, and they play all night. They're playing until the sun comes up. Mm. He just goes back to like what looks like a boarding house, and he doesn't like lay down in a bed. He sits on a chair and puts yeah. his feet on another chair and puts like a hat over his face. You're just like, damn, mm-hmm. it's tough out there to get by. So that's another little, yeah, little wrinkle yeah. into it. So I would like more about him, but yeah, mm-hmm. he's a good character. Yeah, yeah, and I think that's what I respect about the movie so much is like it tried to and i think it actually did reasonably successfully tell a bunch of different like to do three hours in this movie with this many characters and this much depth to it i think you know again like i said i think it's why it was misunderstood on release and is still misunderstood obviously but i think that's what like people like you and me appreciate but yeah i wanted to go back to just the toby Maguire thing i like his makeup was incredible i think that's like such a great way of visually telling like it like they made him look like a ghoul and they well, made drinking ether yeah like, and, well and he's and, and he's of, yeah and it's like bags under his eyes are like so bagged it's just like heroin addicts basically mm-hmm. like it's like a flop house before that was like even a th- well it probably existed back then but like it's like rory scoville and manny walking through it and there's just people just like splayed out just like you yeah know, just heroined out but yeah so it was like like when they walk there it's like the first circle of hell and then they just keep going further and further down yeah pass an alligator pass some weird weird orgies yeah i'm sure there's some sort of allegory with like dante's inferno but i haven't read that in over a decade so i haven't read it so there's like i should yeah yeah well when they get to the seventh ring of hell there's like a this crazy beast and so it's kind of like a parallel to the guy eating rats but Mm. not totally i think it was just i think it was just trying to show that like how if you live because there's different levels this movie is like you have jack conrad who's he kind of goes to the parties and stuff but he actually just does live he goes to the parties but he's on the surface level of that world you have nelly who's like at those parties but then she's also gambling and and they 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 allude to mcguire's character right from the start like saying oh she's yeah. have you been have you been to cal neva like have you been to right. um you know oh, nelly's she's gambling a little bit but she's fine and then eventually goes all down to, and we actually finally meet him but we you hear about his character right at the start of the movie really um yeah and so you have you have like conrad who's you know he really exists in this party world but also he's quite like he's never going to those depths and you have nelly that kind of straddles both and then tommy mcguire's like if you go too far into it and it's fully in this world where you've got all this money and stuff 
but you Nothing you're you're, you're fully and stuff just say he's got all this money call back yeah. <laughs> nice, nice guys 2016 good movie listen to the podcast yeah, um great. but yeah I, I think it's like there's a lot of stuff in this movie that's like telling us you can't it's very on the it's very on the nose but not at the same time depending on how you look at it like it, it's, it's all very simple it's all very simple to me but also very because of the way they make it and and wrap it up and and it's done very classily in a way you kind of just wrapped up into it without really realizing it until you give it that um you know what's going on out there um yeah, you, you just froze for a second so whatever works i know i was just hearing some noises at the back and then i was just like i was just having to look around behind me for a second because even the, even the cat woke up um <laughs> but yeah I, I felt like that was like yeah, it was one of, like I said at the start of the, and it's not even a thought I had until we started talking about it at the start of the podcast, but it's one of those movies that will make an interesting miniseries because, like, the, the Tobey Maguire episode might like hit different if you have that week. But, like, because I think watching it, I think the problem with this movie as well, and again, I say every time I say problem with this movie, I say it in the most um, positive of ways because I think it's a problem only in the sense of how it was misunderstood. Um, I think people watch this movie and you sat in a cinema for three hours and were just like assaulted by so much. They didn't have time between time between different. And like you said, sometimes if you, um, I think there's plenty of people that enjoyed it on first watch as well. And I certainly did as well, but like there's, there's still aspects of it that is, is so, so much to take in that you're not fully sure what you've seen until you've actually kind of sat back and, and looked at it a little bit. And some people probably just saw it and were just like, I'm just not into this at all. And, and, and I'm sure there's probably a lot of people that didn't maybe there's some people that are gonna hate it and they're gonna hate it and it's gonna be fine. There's gonna be some people that probably in a couple of years that might start thinking about it again and go, fuck, what did I watch? I need to go back and watch it. And they'll go back and watch it, having a little bit of memory in their mind already, and a, and and will actually enjoy it more. Kind of like movies like The Shining and the thing, like, you know, movies that were were flops at the time and now they're, you know, the shining's got registries in the greatest, you know, the American film archives, I think. And you know and things it, yeah. beloved and there's just movies that just don't that take some time to to sink into this into the consciousness and yeah. i think this is I one agree. of those ones and especially the, the way the way it ends um yeah so you, you you like the way it ends like the the manny going back in 1952 and yeah i think the way that it ends like kind of perfectly sums it up of him in the theater of him like crying of seeing like stories that he knew used like mm-hmm. him being disgusted by it but then like him being in awe of it too at the same time and like it is like like you said love letter like love letter hate letter mm-hmm. it's, it's everything it's everything about the industry in that moment it's like and manny says from the start he's like i want to be part of something bigger it's like well you're part of something huge mm-hmm. you know but it, it you had to sell your soul for it so it's just like it's, yeah you know. he goes through all those emotions just by watching singing in the rain so yeah well and and here's the thing though is like he what i loved about it too is so he wants to be part of something bigger at the start he goes he goes through the system he has his hollywood career and stuff and it all comes comes to a crashing halt not completely of his own making he's it's actually the fault of nelly and then fucking dumb cunt rory scoville like with his bag of fake money thinking that's gonna work like (laughs) that oh Right. Stick so stick to selling peanuts, my guy. <laughs> yeah. Great for that's had, had had some good headshots on that desk that got blasted to bits, but anyway, the count. Um yeah, no, great, great, another great form. So as you as you've already mentioned, but Rory Scovey was great. He also in this has, yeah, 
my favorite hour of comedy of all time. So I just love Rory to death. He's just yeah. Great. I haven't watched much of his stand up. I I I I thought he was one of the highlights of one of those terrible Amy Schumer movies a couple of years oh, ago. Yeah. He was um, in, yeah, he was in. Um, I feel pretty. Yeah, yeah, I think so. Yeah, I think he's a husband. Yeah, he was. He was. Yeah, he was quite good in that. But he has a special called Rory Scovel tries to stand up for the very first time, and it's the it's my favorite hour of comedy. Ever. Okay, I'll have to give it a watch because you know I love comedy as well, and we, you and me, run in similar circles in our stand up comedy enjoyment. So and just like like he was so good, like understated in his like he just acts like his facial expressions because <laughs> he doesn't have that many lines but it's just it's like where am i gonna get eighty five thousand dollars in two days you're like no shit yes <laughs> but so, it's funny because at the start because even he, he manny does question him when they pull up to the house and he's just like i have my ways <laughs> then like later on he's just like where do you think i was gonna get that from he's like i don't know and like i said i texted you to it and i should say it on the podcast I googled. I just was like, "How much is eighty five thousand in nineteen thirty in in twenty twenty three? And it's like one point five million. What the yeah. fuck were you doing, Nelly? Like, that's yeah. my question. But just getting after it. I mean, yeah, she, they allude to her gambling a lot. Oh yeah, it's, I mean, we see it at the part. Like, she she ends the party by get, getting the little note dropped at her table as she's playing craps. When even fucking Brad Pitt's like, he's he's like, I'm done, but she's still going. <laughs> like, yeah. um, like Brad Pitt did less cocaine. But yeah, so yeah, but less less cocaine in this movie is like a yeah. That's a that's a that's a different like. What is less cocaine when you're talking Babylon? <laughs> Who knows? Not me. <laughs> um, but yeah, I loved uh yeah, Roy Scovel was great. I can't remember where I was going with that, but um, he uh, yeah. Actually, I had a point. I was I was going somewhere, and then I got completely distracted by got distracted by the count. By the oh, count. just talking about yeah, about the ups and like how Manny's career kind of just oh yeah yeah no yeah there's no fault of his own, but he does escape well, it, but some, he, somewhat fault of his own because he he was stupidly in love with Nelly, who clearly was not in love with him. And yeah. He, i think she that's an interesting question i think she'd like to be but she doesn't know how like she doesn't know how to be yeah Yeah. because she because she tells him all those things in the car and then as as i alluded to before she ends the movie by like she as as manny gets out to go um do whatever he's gonna i can't remember what he's doing in that moment um he's going to get the count (laughs) yeah that's right but um yeah (laughs) oh that's right that's right and then they they get shot in the room yeah and but manny somehow gets out of it but um well the guy's gun he's out of bullets and yeah and he gets that little just that little moment of brevity where the guy gets to look into the guy he's about to kill his eyes which is always an interesting moment um he tries to shoot manny yeah yeah um but yeah you know nelly's sitting in the car and she kind of smiles to herself and says ain't life grand again yeah. book ending book ending to the start of the movie when she gets the first role and then she goes dancing into the night as she said she would and you, you just know that she she was you know she, in, in that moment she knew she was probably saving manny as well i think which is a is a, is a type of love i think yeah um because she knew that he'd probably be as much as he probably hates it at the time like she knew that his his escape was going to be a lot cleaner if he escaped without her and as as we saw it was like he was able to come back um you know he 20, 20 ended up dead anyway. yeah so. and he, he was able to come back 20 years later and with his with his wife and wife and kid um and yeah i found it really uh, i 
found that ending quite nice and a good way to wrap up such a chaotic movie because it was very pure in a way like he's you know he's he's speaking spanish all the time which is what yeah, he's trying to escape from the entire movie but he's speaking spanish with the guard at what is kinoscope pictures but is actually paramount pictures right. um if you if you do whenever we actually finally get you out here to la uh yeah. whenever we go to the new bev for the midnight showings we always drive down like because the new bev's just a couple of blocks away from paramount pictures essentially and we always go because we park on a side street that just naturally goes up to Melrose and we drive past we drive past Paramount Pictures in that big building that's got the posters on the side and then yeah. the gate the gates that he's at. We drive past that every time as we head back to the freeway. So you'll get to experience that. I always enjoy it because we're usually driving past it about two thirty, three o'clock in the morning after a midnight movie. And it's oh. at its most yeah, it's very cool because it's just just all shut down and everything. And but yeah. He's speaking Spanish the whole time, which is very the antithesis of what his he was trying to do the whole. (laughs) Yeah, probably doesn't speak a lot of English down. Yeah, Um, and he and he just alludes to the fact he hasn't he doesn't see too many movies these days, and but then he goes to a movie and yeah, that entire as you mentioned that entire montage of movies that um so I think some people misunderstood because they just saw it as like a random montage at the end, but it was very direct deliberate. Um, As I said at the start, the 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 um, guy on a horse um image which is what five seconds or whatever it was the first assemblance of moving pictures on on cat right. on which was a very poignant part of yeah. yeah um which is a very big part of nope um which is another great movie about movies that came out last year um and similarly misunderstood we'll do that one at some point as well um but and then it goes right through from that through um you know singing the jazz singer singing in the rain um you know wizard of oz i'm i'm gonna miss some it because i'm just trying oh, to remember of yeah somebody yeah. on reddit like the full um, list there's a lot of like yeah even- um 2001 a space odyssey psycho uh and then and, but yeah we get through to it was about it was about the point where, it was when raiders of the lost ark hit and then yeah. yeah that's the one that i just said okay what's going on here and then yeah. right after that was jurassic park and then it was matrix and i just remember thinking um like myself i was just like there's a because it wasn't it wasn't while they're very popular movies there was like a very deliberate like style and and message in it and it was that these were all movies that that broke you know were a part of the next generation and, and the change of hollywood and yeah people weren't really ready for it. and like if you didn't like jump on it like the people in the movie then you were left behind kind of yeah and I think they were just showing that, like, hey, this still exists. This is still going on. Like, you have to be able to adapt, or we'll still use you up and spit you out. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, adapt. Yeah, I, I liked it, but I could see how people thought it was like a little trite, maybe. Which is yeah, like a- but I think that's what like he was going for was just like he. This was a movie that was very much his movie, right. um, and I respect. And as as I've said a couple of times on this podcast already, like I respect the ambition that this movie had because i think it was just like it just it had to go i think if you're going to make a movie like this you just had to go that like if you tried to half you know assuage some people or whatever like you just couldn't do it like this movie just needed a a direction as chaotic and as imperfect as it is at times i i my letterboxed review for this movie and we'll get to the tomatoes now i guess um but before I get to it, I was say my letterbox review is four and a half out of five, and I said damn near close to perfect because it, it is imperfect in many ways. There is many ways, like you said, um, the Brad Pitt storyline somehow seemed like a through line, and and you could end it there. And and 
I said I was going to argue with more, more, but I do see your point. I just also think that because of the movie it was, it needed the finish off of the Nelly and um, like Manny stuff. Yeah. Manny, yeah. I think it's, and that's what I think it's one of those movies that needs a few watches to kind of, because you need to, you kind of, sometimes when you watch a movie, you latch onto one character and then, and then the other stuff gets a little bit sidelined. But then you, once you watch it a couple of times, especially with a three hour epic like this that does what it does, that's what I mean. It's just so ambitious. Um, the Nelly scene would have happened before the Brad Pitt scene, and then I would feel better about it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But I just think that's a perfect bookend. But you can't just have people killing themselves all over the film. So yeah, because and I guess that's, that's the other thing is like if you had that end, because I think that's what it does is like I think, and it's very it'll be interesting to ever ask Chazelle and his creative crew about it. Would be like did you need to put that earlier so that people could have time to get away from that and then see the beauty of the end of the movie? Because if you'd gone, if you had the Tobin Maguire stuff, the Nelly stuff, and then had Brad Pitt kill himself and then just cut to 1952 and have, uh, yeah. you know, Manny at the cinema, then you're, you're still, because for me watching it the first time, I was still just like, oh, fuck. And like, it was a little bit sad about it for a few minutes. Yeah. And it, maybe it would have been too soon oh, to end the movie in that way, you know? Like, it's, it's a good it's movie. Moving yeah that's and that's a good movie editing question to if we ever got the chance to ask it would be interesting to ask because that's kind of how my creative mind goes to trying to dissect the creative process of that is that maybe you do sit there and go we need to have this then have a bit of break time before we get to the hour end because the end of the movie was basically just like a that was like you know when in college we're asked to write like the 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 conclusion uh, a concluding like that it, that goes back to your your opening thesis statement it felt like that was just like Shilogon. this is this end of the my movie is the, the the concluding statement of my of my essay and you couldn't have had brad Pitt kill himself right before that because it would have been too too much of a jarring part you know so it was like structuring an essay right um which is i to me sometimes i look at babylon and go it's such a great little it's such a great big expansive ambitious movie that essentially was an essay about his historical document on Hollywood and the way yeah. he struck the way he structured it was very deliberate. Even if some people didn't, you know, and, and you can have question it for, on first watch. You, I, I, I appreciate the art that went into it. And that's why I didn't get five stars. I think, and I can tell you, I remember halfway through the movie, I was just like, and sometimes I do this when I'm watching a movie for the first time that I'm really enjoying. And it's, it's somewhat of a, it's probably a poor character trait, but sometimes I do go, I reckon this is at a five for me right now. And I do yeah. that. I'll go, this is at a five for me. And in the last half of the movie, I just went, all right, it's a four and a half. And it's not anything to take away from it. It's just like it um it was so ambitious that it did just falter just slightly at momentary moment. Like just a little bit of and just and again, that's not like I actually don't think the movie could have gone any other way than it did. Cause I just don't think you can make a perfect movie of this scope and ambition but i think he got as close to it as possible if that makes okay. sense i just don't think when you throw this many characters and all that into a movie and okay. try to and try to tell this kind of story i just don't think you can do it perfect but i think he did as perfect of a job of an imperfect version of what he's trying to do and i think that's and i think that deserves the plaudits yeah yeah. So, yeah yeah i enjoyed it, it yeah. just wasn't i don't no, it'll be interesting make, it, it, it's gonna be interesting i don't totally know how to make it better is my thing that's and that's what i mean I, i'm like i don't think it's perfect but i, I don't know how you could do it see, yeah. i mean yeah. i don't know if you cut toby mcguire's scene if it makes it 
that much better but i think i think that takes away from some of what he's trying to say about the whole thing too so that's what like that's what i'm like i think this is like a visual essay in a way and it's just i just don't think yeah maybe in the snake scene i guess because like both you and i are still perplexed on (laughs) i also fucking love the snake scene yeah it is too which like is also like kind of like hearkening back to that era of film Mm mm-hmm but I mean, Margot running around with like a snake flying around her neck, like is very slapsticky. Yeah, and so. Brad Pitt just yelling once more into the breach, like, right. like to get like, and that's again, like you're getting. They got he got like the the quintessential movie star of our time, one of them, in Brad Pitt to do that role, and it's fantastic yeah. as well. So he yeah, good people to sign on, and like they believed in it. It just didn't. It, I don't know. I would be interested to see to see if this is like what he had in mind when he set out to make it it'd be interesting to ask him like i mean now would be interesting but he might still be you know dealing with the but i think he's i think there's enough there's enough big people in online um you know if you're reviewers and otherwise and pundits and whatever that do say it's a masterpiece so i think he i think he's probably sitting back quietly and just going this movie's probably been received exactly i like he probably would have hoped that did a bit better business wise, but as far as how people are receiving it, I think he's probably finding it quite an interesting experiment. And I, I think probably five years down the track, you could ask him. He'd probably have a more rounded answer, um, as well as as well as we'll have a more rounded answer of what its legacy is going to be in five, ten years. But yeah, at, yeah. At the moment, uh, to get to tomatoes. On Rotten Tomatoes, it has a. It's this is going to be an interesting one to see where we land at on it. But it's going to be. I think it will have one of the larger discrepancies we've had with uh, the tomato scores. Um, critics on Rotten Tomatoes is fifty seven percent. Audience is fifty two percent. So that's really, really split down the middle almost. Um, interestingly, it's seven point one out of ten on IMDb. So IMDb being more of an industry source is like it's a lot higher. Like, that's quite the industry. Like, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, 50, 59% of Google users liked it. So again, kind of similar Google user and, and Rotten Tomatoes audience score is going to be pretty similar usually. So um, from my experience of looking at it anyway, um, 2.5 out of four on, on rogerebert.com. So decent, but again, it would have been, it would have been interesting to actually see what Roger Ebert himself thought of it if he was still alive yeah. as someone who probably had a fairly good critic understanding of Hollywood. Uh, but the one that um, is quite pleasing to me, uh, 3.8 out of 5 on Letterboxd, which is pretty good for Letterboxd because it's the social media network of of <laughs> movies, of movies really, and, and that's a pretty healthy Letterboxd score for a movie that is so divisive. Um, and I think we've covered kind of the reasons it's divisive on the on the show so far and, and the just over two hours. This is going to be one of the rare podcasts that goes still goes less than the, the length of the movie that we did. <laughs> Yeah, if we um, never get to doing three-hour podcasts. I just, yeah, man, that'll be that'll be weird. <laughs> um, There'd be just copious amounts of alcohol involved. I would have to assume. Yeah, and me forgetting to press the end record button and then forgetting to edit. Because <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sometimes that's the that's the end of the podcast. But um, so yeah. when you look at that, if you were just gonna as we as we do, um, where would you just what? Out of if you wrap up all your thoughts and everything and distill it into one Rotten Tomatoes percentage out of a hundred, where are you at on it? Go seventy five. Go like, yeah, I go like three out of four. I think okay. like with that last four, 
like that last fourth to mm. the fourth star, that's a big, you know, it could have been better. <laughs> yeah. It could have been 25% better. I, again, I don't know exactly how, but mm. I, like tighten it a little bit, focus on a little thing here when you focus on something else here, you know, that kind of thing. I think, yeah, yeah. I don't, I, I find it far from perfect. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but yeah, whereas. So I would watch it again. Mm -hmm. Very entertaining, great performances, great bit parts. Um, you know, some of the scenes are extremely rewatchable. Re like that, where like, if this was broken into scenes on YouTube, like I would go back and watch the first sound scene with Nelly, like, you know, once a month because it is like such a great scene. So it yeah. has it has all the pieces. It just didn't connect like into a perfect puzzle for me. Mm -hmm. Whereas, yeah, I'm I'm a little bit more on the side of like it was close to perfect. And I'd, I'd sit at an 89 for me. I find it, I find it. Um, There's a discrepancy. Yeah, there is. But like, it's it's one of those ones that we're not going to argue on it either because I know it's so. Because your opinion's valid. Like it, it was a movie that, and like I said, I I find there's something about it that gets me just not giving it a four out of, a five out of five on Letterboxd and. And again, like all these things are just arbitrary, just stupidity anyway. Like art, art is art is something that you can't quite box in like that, but we just do our best to do it. But it doesn't um, matter until it does matter. Because I'll go and see like movies that like people talk about from like back in the day, and I'll be like, well, let me check Rotten Tomatoes first. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like I didn't, you know, the reason like because it took me a while. Like I saw Chinatown for the first time finally, like four, four or five years ago, and the reason, huh? No, 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 no. I think Chinatown's one of the rare ones that's close to 100. Like, yeah, it's think. very close. Like, but the reason I did was because, like, I, I heard so much about it. So, critics and pundits and all those things have their role because they yeah. keep things alive. Um, but I think, and I think that's what this movie is going to have is going to have one of those interesting journeys that kind of like I mentioned, The Shining, um, having one of those journeys where it was critically, um, criticized at the time, but as this one very was, good. but, but. It almost stopped me from seeing it, honestly. It was like, but I wanted to see it, and I'm glad I did. Yeah. yeah. I remember talking to, like, a comedian on Twitter about it, like, because he, like, he was the reason I chose to see it on Christmas. Is like, yeah, like, there's a bunch of negative Oh, for reviews. Babylon, by the way, you're talking about now yeah. again. Yeah. Yeah, it's like, there's a bunch of negative reviews, but, like, I loved it. I thought it was, like, you know, blah, 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 blah. And I was like, mm. okay, cool. like, I'll go see it, and, like, I respect this guy, so... And I kind of felt the same way coming out of it. It was like, yeah, it was just fun. It's like, what did people expect? Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, yeah. we expect more like when we're dissecting a movie, like if we're going to dissect it, but like, I don't, I didn't, uh, I don't know how to say this. I didn't like, I guess I expected more, but like in a different way. <laughs> I don't yeah. Know. Yeah, that'll be interesting to see even if like, you know, in five years when you and I like, because we're always going to be chatting movies, like where we are at on it. Because, you know, there's movies that there's movies that come out and you love them straight away and then you watch them and then, you know, they they kind of because you because you loves it so much then it falls away because that hype goes away. But I think this is going to be one of those movies that has the opposite growth effect. So, um, well, what I, what I will well, say I'd about like more people to see it. Personally. Yeah. And then like see like more of a discussion on it because you like like you go on red like the reddit message boards about it and it's just like every comment is different like it's like 50 50 it's like one person said they love it it's so beautiful to watch like the sh like the shots were so beautiful like great performances then the next person is like it's scattered it was terrible he had no idea what he was going for but you know so it's just yeah. like it'd be interesting to see if it ever like 
convalesces into like something more like less like all over the chart and yeah like, people just kind of find a happy medium on it or if it is just always is divisive which is very possible in mm. a lot of movies yeah and that's, that's what i think it like it's it's so hard to make movies about hollywood because you know you know it's set at a time when it's transitioning yeah because it yeah because because they love it and then they but they hate it sometimes when it's it's a little it gets a little bit too close to home sometimes and i think that's what this one did was like because it's even though it's like about a time it's almost 100 years ago it's it's talking about something that's now as well you know there's 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 issues of chant like right now we're dealing with you know the the strike and ai and all that stuff and not not that chazelle knew that back when he was writing it but he you know maybe about AI. oh no I, I yeah when he was starting to make it they probably probably as being involved in the industry probably knew what was coming um there's me too aspects to it too like i love when the guy's grabbing at the ass in that party and you see margot robbie as she's taking a sip of a drink looking like side-eyeing and just wide-eyeing just like right. what the fuck am i doing in this situation like it's just so so yeah there's um it it's yeah my closing statement would be it's incredibly ambitious um i think i think this despite uh some of the notions that as you said reddit saying he doesn't know what he's trying i think he actually told and Red, it's not like a no reddit. no I, i'm not yeah no i'm just saying you brought up red still reddit yeah. wherever where, wherever the criticism comes from it you know it's a person that's seen the movie and it's, and it's valid even if it's misplaced whatever um uh and yeah i think what he did was actually make a movie that he wanted to make and, and I, I i that's what i I come out of it appreciating is that someone in this era that is very can be and we we kind of talk about the movie as well like that era that movie is talking about an era that went from very liberal to getting a little bit more conservative as, as we saw with the um unfortunate you know notions of what they did to Lin Fei and essentially blackballing her from the industry and then trying to force uh Jovan Adepa's uh Sydney Palmer into a box and and say that you know this is what you need to do for the lighting and all, and all those things that they tried to force out of people um you know Hollywood still deals with and 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 so that what he's trying to tell like the just the ambition he has in trying to say tell the story that he's doing I think it was very actually I think it was the tightest story he could have told in three hours like and I think um yeah that ambition he showed and the story he told um for me because he could have probably maybe wrapped up stories better in four hours but then it'd be a four-hour movie and we don't want that um i could i could could deal with a four-hour movie i'm excited for the four and a half hour ridley scott cut of napoleon already so (laughs) that's a movie i'd be okay with it i don't think i could could do it in theater as long as they had an intermission yeah uh, yeah okay yeah yeah anyway i lost i lost my track of thought but i i think it was an incredibly ambitious uh uh, undertaking um from someone who's i think it's underrated i'll say that yeah oh definitely like we just talked about all the scores and i rated it higher obviously i think that but i think people like yeah i don't know i think it. yeah again the the amount of talent everything he wraps up into it it's got an incredible score incredible acting incredible directing um the cinematography cinematography is fantastic um yeah, everything has come together to make this movie what it is because it has some incredibly ambitious sequences. Um, whether they be little little sound stages with that first moment of sound, or that that you know two hundred people out in a battlefield behind Brad Kit Brad Pitt with a butterfly landing, and you know all those kind of things. Like, there's just so much going on that, um, to especially like I said, I, well, that was the point I was making is like Hollywood is going through a 
especially with and Hollywood often mirrors America a little bit. And as as we're going through a tough time in America with the divisiveness, like Hollywood's dealing with similar things. Um, and so for this movie to kind of get greenlit by a big director and have big actors and doing all these things and telling a story like this, I think is really important. And um, especially at this time, as at that time, like things changed, you know, some for the better, some for the worse. And the world went through a tumultuous time. We're going through that tumultuous time now. And um, movies like this need to be made to kind of, to make you think. Um, Cause I think it, like, as you said, as you said, Reddit has a wide swathe of um, opinions on the movie. Some just don't get it, but some like half get it and some that completely understand it. And, and again, to say that some don't get it, you know, some people take different things out of movies and that's how we, that's the kind of, that's art in a nutshell is like, we all take a little bit of something different out of it, but. There's uh, lots of, uh, yeah. But like... my, my appreciation is always going to be that people, people do um, that cinema is ambitious and that's what I like to see. And that's what this movie is celebrating ambitious cinema and, and in of itself is like a moment of ambitious cinema in 2023 or 2022 as it was released, but uh, you know, um, and we need to celebrate that. So that's where I'm at on it. Any further thoughts from yourself, Cher? You've given me a lot to think about. <laughs> I'll watch it again, but again, yeah, yeah, no, that's, a, that's what it's fun to do this with you though, too. Cause we talk about it cause you've given me a different, even though I knew your opinion on Brad Pitt's death and where you would like the 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 film to end, as we talked about it, I was like, I I saw your, I was ready to just just be a dickhead and argue with you, and then like, as we talked about, it, I was like, I know, I see, I see what you're saying, like your lens into the movie was different than mine, and 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 we both had it, yeah, and that's that's cool to talk about. So, yeah, you were like more attached to like the ambition of like the people in the film, and I was more like attached to like, and like the. Like the hit, uh, that's not the right word either. I don't know. Just like no, the, sta- no. the stability of the film, which Brad Pitt is, because when when we enter the movie, Brad Pitt is already a humongous movie star, and Manny and Nelly are both trying to. So I was more into like the already established story. And you're all Shay. You're always a star. Okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's true. That's true. Nelly Leroy. Yeah, all timer. Out of the la, no, <laughs> Nelly the King or whatever she fucking yeah. <sighs> fucking fucking Margot, man, she's great. That's what I'll take out. Take out anything and Brad Pitt as well. Like we, yeah. I mean, they're two like two of the biggest movie stars in the entire world, so it's not yeah. surprising. But but funny enough, one that you know one that started fifteen to you know what Brad Pitt was doing, Thelma and Louise, and yeah, yeah. I, bur- I burped. Um, Thelma and Louise, Interview with the Vampire, um, even True Romance, what those movies were, 90, 93 through 95, and Margot's yeah. first big role in Hollywood was as a 22-year-old in 2011 in Wolf of Wall Street. So we're talking a 16, 17, 18-year difference between their careers. And and, and it's kind of and it's and it's kind of mirrored in the in it's kind of mirrored in the movie is like Brad Pitt's like the the fading star, but ironically, he's not a fading star at all. Although maybe it's coming, who knows? But I think, you know, the, the good thing about, ironically, about Brad Pitt's performance here and his performance in some movies of late, he's he's very accepting. Oh, he, he's very he's very self-aware. Like, even in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood a few years ago when he finally, finally won probably a very deserved Oscar, yeah. uh, you know, he's, he's, a, he's a, you know, stunt double struggling for roles and, and, and jobs. 
and he's just doing what he can to make get by and he but he's kind of accepting of it because he's just accepting of the life he's gotten and the on the road and the road the you know the hand that's been dealt with him the road he's on and yeah so it, it's funny when you think about the the actual actors in the movie and and brad pitt's before, yeah but i fucking loved it i yeah 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 i knew you would like it i'm glad you yeah no that's that's why I, I know that you suggested it to me with you know so you, i mean you know me and movies and my love of film and everything like that and and you suggested it to me very strongly and you didn't actually express your your opinions somebody to talk to yeah <laughs> no i i appreciate the fact that i didn't actually know all the Other opinions than my dad, who had similar it, yeah it's ironic that you you, you were so strongly and so strong in your recommendation of it and then only afterwards where you're like i have opinions and differences and this is what i think and i'm like i i, I disagree with you but the fact is you you recommended to me without and I appreciate that. So that's. I don't. Yeah. I, I mean, that, that's this podcast is. If I recommend something, I, it means I think it's at the very least interesting. And so I want, but I don't want to say anything. Like, I recommend Bo is Afraid to you. And I don't oh, and, and you know, I'll see that at some point. Yeah, like, of course. But yeah. again, it's just very long. But, <laughs> but yeah. like, yeah, for me, it's just like, I don't want to tell anybody anything about a movie before they go in to see it because it will. Whether people like want to say it or not, it will subconsciously impact how they view. You know, yeah, it does. Yeah, people, yeah. That's again, like to the point where I don't even like trailers. You mm -hmm. know? And again, this is a classic movie where it's like the trailer did it is a disservice. So. Did it? That's so. Not like trailer. Same brain. Anyway, that's a that seems like a good time to wrap it up. So, um, as always, like just I can't recommend this movie enough. Um, even though I, obviously throughout the journey, I, I say that, and I'm like, anyone that's listened to two hours of this has already fucking seen it. So who who fucking cares, you know? Um, yeah. Or hopefully it inspired. Well, we've given a lot of spoilers. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Every well, it, for a movie that's set in 1920s, then you can actually say this: everyone dies because um, <laughs> they oh. they're. They're dead at this point. Um, so. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, until next time, I'm always glad to do this. Take two. You couldn't just, you couldn't just have two Lagunitas IPAs? Um, uh, we'll uh, pour some popcorn, roll, pop, pop some pints, and roll some film. It's not a threat. It's just how it is. You keep podcasting flat, I'm going to headbutt you in the face. I was wondering where that was going to go, but that was good. Cheese guns. <laughs>